Gee, Steve, what are we going to do tonight? Same thing we do every podcast. Tell them how we season. How We Seize It, episode 142. We're tackling Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, 1971 uh, release. Uh, it's starring Gene, Gene Wilder and a, a bevy of kids and other uh, low, not, not very famous actors. Uh, he's, he's kind of the one big name in that. Um, so uh, we're also going to, uh, at the same time, we're going to tackle a little bit of the 2005 uh, Johnny Depp, um, Tim Burton release. Uh, of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, not the same name. Uh, both uh, derived from the same book, though. So, uh, I'm uh, I'm here, Noah, your main host, and with me, as always, is my main man, Steve. Say hi, Steve. Hello, everyone. Good to be here. And just just so you know, you know, the book was written in 1964, um, and this is kind of similar to our Shining uh, podcast we did with, with oh, Alicia yeah, yeah. because we had the, the early book. Then we talked about the adaptation from uh, uh, in the 80s adaptation with uh, um, Kubrick adaptation. And then also we followed it up with the, the later adaptation that Stephen King was more involved in. And that seems to be kind of the same path as this one, which is interesting. So yeah, but. true. And uh, we also and had a guest. Us. We had a special guest on that episode. Yeah, we did. Like we do this time. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to go in and on that uh, with our special guest this time is, is Brandon. Uh, say hi, Brandon. Hey, uh, introduce yourself. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm Brandon. Yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, we're doing this because um, I've wanted to do on the pod. I wanted you on the podcast for a long time. Uh, I know you have you, you did your other podcast and I listened to that. Um, I don't know if you want to if you want to talk about that real quick, you can. Yeah, uh, me and my buddy Matt, uh, one time we got together and just like, yo, we need a, it's the pandemic, kind of bored looking for <laughs> other things to do. And so let's just, you know, we have a similar taste of music. We should hop on and do a pod. And he was all about it. So we did a couple episodes. We just took a look at a couple. We, we both really like hip hop. So we took a look at different albums and got went through a listen and discussed it but we're on a we're on a little bit of a hiatus because i i got involved with school um he was getting ready to move back down to la, LA but you may see us come back on so but yeah. in the meantime here i am and uh hey. and i've been talking for a little bit and i'm yeah. excited to be on and uh willie walker and the chocolate factory is hands down one of my favorite childhood movies so i was like i'm i'm there i'm and, yeah and the oompa loompas really rock the hip-hop in this movie so uh well, they do in the the, the, <laughs> the, new one. the 2005. Yeah, that's horrible. Um, yeah, no, it was funny. We were talking, and, and I was like, yeah, just tell me what your favorite movie was. And when you said this, I was like, oh, that works out perfect. Because uh, <laughs> I, I hadn't watched this in a long time, and uh, I was I got back, you know, watched it, and I hit every beat for me from, from the nostalgia from when I was a kid. I was like, I mean, I watched this all the time like everybody that grew up in that era and even past as a kid you watch this a lot and then it kind of goes away a little bit but um we, even yeah, watches you, now at 50 i loved every minute of it but back Almost in the, every minute back in the 70s <laughs> and, and early 80s it was one of those annual events because you didn't have vhs or yeah. you know you, so you, so once a year they'd, they'd play it on on abc as the you know the sunday night special or something like that yeah and so i remember seeing it more than that like okay. i think it was on disney channel for a while when you had the when you had to pay for it 
I remember being yeah, on that for. I'm talking before pay channels, be when it was just ABC, NBC, and CBS. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I was talking early <laughs> '80s, but anyways. Uh, so on this podcast, uh, one of the things we like to do is we we pair a drink to whatever we're watching, and this time is no different. And uh, so this time we went and uh, paired it to Willy Wonka. Uh, so Steve, I know you got one. Uh, let me hear what you got. Okay. Well, uh, my obsession is not chocolate; it's uh, coffee. So I went the coffee route, uh, which which is kind of reminiscent of of, of the uh, of the cocoa bean. Looks very much like a coffee bean, but I did add a little chocolate twist to it. So this is based off of a Mexican cocktail called the Cadejillo, which is liquor forty three and uh, a shot of espresso. Um, and I saw an adaptation that included some tequila, some Reposado tequila, um, and and then I added a little bit of creme de cacao in order to add that little chocolate element too. So I call this my Coco Carajillo con cacao, which actually <laughs> does make some sort of sense, but it's a that one- a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it, it rolled off my tongue like something Willy, Mon- Willy Wonka might say, so I thought it was it was fair game, and it kind of played into the alliteration like the original book and yeah. the-, in the, uh, in the Johnny Depp, uh, Tim Burton adaptation that stuck with the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So Gene Wilder had some, he had some stuff in there and he also spoke a couple I'm, different I'm, languages I'm ta- too. I'm talking about the title. I'm talking about the title. Oh, okay. It was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So, oh, gotcha. So, Katahiro Cacao kind of plays off of that same alliteration. <laughs> so, this is again one ounce of Liquor 43, one ounce of Reposado Tequila, Half an ounce of the creme de cacao and one and a half ounces of fresh espresso, which which I think I've told the story about my uh, future son-in-law setting me up with and, an espresso yeah. machine. And so I was able to grind up some beans. And when you have to, you, you take a little coffee bean and you grate it on top for garnish. That's not easy to take a tiny little coffee bean yeah. and start rubbing across a, a cheese grater to try to get it because you end up, you know, scraping your a little, fingers. little skin and blood on, <laughs> on the top of it as well. But um, um, so I went through the first one really, really fast because it was delicious. So I made a second. <laughs> so nice. used to that. Yeah, that, that's pinky out. All right, Brandon, I, I know you said you had something for us. So I'll, I'll let you talk about it. Yeah, um, I went with the old-fashioned hot chocolate. Uh, I don't recall what brand I went with. There were two of them. There was a Lucky Charms one, and then there was another one. But I was like, nah, Lucky Charms doesn't fit. So I went with the original one. But it's funny, the other day, I had, for some reason, I had a craving for nerds. I can't remember what what the context was. But I ended up buying, went to Target and bought the Nerds Gummy Clusters. And they oh, are okay. delicious. You know what? I remember what it was. We went to Sonoma, um, the town of Sonoma the other day, and we went to this champagne uh, place and did a tasting, and they had this uh, rosé and uh, wine drink, but they added nerds to it. So it was strawberry oh. and all this, and they added nerds to it. And I was like, man, I haven't ner- had nerds in a while. <laughs> so went to Target immediately, grabbed a pack, and here we are. And it fit with the podcast as well, too. because For it's sure. A- the Willy Wonka brand thing. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Uh, yeah, you know, with the hot chocolate, that's one. That's a drink I enjoy. But I usually like to throw like a little uh, butterscotch schnapps in it. Mm. Uh, you know, and I was thinking uh, when you said that, I was like, oh, I could have used that because you know he has that that time when he talks about uh, the butterscotch ripple. 
uh, you know, at the end of the drink that's the 105% or whatever. And I was like, oh, that would have been good too. Just like, watch that scene like when uh, Mr. Salt was like butterscotch, butterscotch yeah. <laughs> and going in on that. But I actually, the, the hot chocolate I went with because when Augustus Gloop falls into the river and I was like, mm, okay, yeah. he probably got a mouthful of that while he was oh, in yeah, there. Oh, yeah, he did. So I was like, I'll go with that. <laughs> yep. Nice. It's funny you talk about uh, Skittles. Uh, I went on this this rampage of trying to find out a way to do uh, a drink tonight, and uh, I was going off of the Gobstopper, the Everlasting Gobstopper, and I was finding all these drinks, and uh, I wasn't able to do it, though, because I couldn't get it to layer correctly. I wanted to do a shot with the different layers and stuff, and I, I bought a box of, of Gobstoppers and added it, and I was like, ah. So I had to go fall back to my, my, my uh, fallback drink, which is a Nerds Martini. <laughs> so, uh, you know, same thing, Willy Wonka, I, you know, I remember, I remember when I was a kid, you know, that the Willy Wonka was on all the different uh, candies, the Gobstoppers, the nerds and stuff like that. And, I, you know, uh, it's not the case anymore. I guess they finally retired him from the candy game. It's just now, you know, nerds. But I remember, you know, it was always Willy Wonka's, you know, different, you know, iteration of candy. And nerds was a big one when I was in, in uh, like middle school and elementary and stuff. So I went with that. So basically, I, I, you take and you rim the the, the martini glass in, in nerds, and uh, that was a that was a little bit of difficult. Uh, I had to go with some actual uh, light uh, corn syrup on there to uh, get it to stick. Uh, my mm. normal use of like you know just a thin juice or a thin like uh, simple syrup wasn't wasn't holding them up. So I got that, which worked out. The the ingredients themselves. Let's see, I text that out to you guys. Let me. It's one ounce of. Um, I did a raspberry uh, vodka, a one ounce of a mandori melon liquor, one ounce of a blue uh, carousel, and then uh, two ounces of a ginger ale. Uh, mixed those up. I actually mixed up the alcohols first in the, the shaker, then poured the two ounces of ginger ale. I didn't want to shake it up and mess up my bubbles, and then poured that <laughs> into the glass. And then uh, it came out pretty good. Uh, the nerds have been slowly sounds, been falling. Sounds pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, the, the nerds are still on the oh, glass. That cool. <laughs> they, they've been falling a little bit, but uh, I'll give it a shot. It's not as sweet as you would think it is, would be. No? Okay. I think, be I think because the nerds on the side, they actually, you know when you have something sweet and then you t eat something that's, or have something that's not as sweet? It, uh, it doesn't carry over as well. I think the vodka really carries on this one more more so than the other. So it, it didn't come out syrupy or anything like that. It's actually not bad. You know, it's not a, it won't be a go-to drink just because it's a pain in the butt to get the nerds on the side of the glass. But <laughs> but for this one, it works out great. And I get to chew on some nerds for a little bit. I'll try not to chomp into the mic, but. So we're gonna have sugar highs, caffeine highs, and a little bit of uh, drunken highs going, going yeah. forward. So. <laughs> Not a bad night. <laughs> yeah, perfect for a Willy Wonka movie. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with him. He's got all those going for him too. <laughs> yeah. All right, Brandon, since this is your choice of movies, I want to hear from you first on on just what this movie means to you. Like, what what you know, where your love from it comes. You know, what your experiences with it, and um, you know, just what you got to say about it. Yeah, cool. Um, I, I was also building up a question to kind of tie into that um, out of my curiosities. So it's cool because I'm looking it, through Discord. I'm looking at you two, and it's you know different generations. I'm, I'm right. I think around 20 years younger than you, <laughs> but like True. we're still talking about a movie from 1971, which is really cool. It's something that's you know bridges us amongst other things. Right. And so I remember, um, I think it was about 90. 
95, probably 95, 96. Um, I was when I we lived in Novato at the time. And I remember the Safeway that was there, we would occasionally go there to get a new movie. So I've we've purchased plenty of movies from there. But I remember Willy Walk on the Chocolate Factory just sitting on, you know, that box shelf thing that they have by the registers. And I remember looking at it for some reason, I thought it was about a baseball game for whatever reason. So I was <laughs> never interested in it, wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, but I remember I walked by, you know, two or three times we walked by it. But I remember my mom said something about, oh, yeah, like I watched this as a kid and it's really good. Um, and so she bought it one day and it's obviously not has nothing to do with baseball. or anything. <laughs> no, um, not quite. But it's it's something it's just one of those really it's a it's a solid movie. And I feel like it gets better with age as I watch it more and more. For example, you know, I'm sure we'll talk more about the movie later on, but there was there are scenes that I didn't pick up on as a kid where there's that one. I like how in the movie they split through different scenes, totally offshoot from the entire movie. But there was one with the lady, her husband got kidnapped and right. they're letting, there's a there's a ransom for him and she's like yeah. oh whatever it is i'll have it i just want howard back yeah she said something like that and then they're like wait they want your entire case of wonka bars and then she sits there for a second it's like well how much time do i have to think about it yeah and like that totally goes above my head as a kid but it's right. just things like that but it's just i feel like i i don't think a minute or two can go by without me quoting something like I can't do it full on but after a minute or so I will quote something nice so it's just it's, it's been a good movie it's been with me since I was a kid um, you know something that I remember from when I was seven eight years old or so so that's how it, it draws me but I'm kind of to bring it back to you guys I'm curious I think of now when a movie drops and like, oh yeah, or even a game, like, oh man, God of War 3, I remember being at the midnight release or Star Wars Episode 1, I remember going and people dressing up. So since I was not alive in 1971 <laughs> and you guys were, you know, watching it after that and since then, what was, it was their hype? What was it like when this dropped, when it came out? How, how did you guys get into it? So I actually didn't drop until three months after this came out. <laughs> I was going to say, I was one, so I wasn't quite aware, <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> Uh. So, so um, I remember, th I think the first time I saw this was uh, in elementary school. Um, one of the best days of an elementary school kid's life is when they wheel in that uh, VCR uh, TV, you know, for, for a class. And you're like, oh, yeah, we get to watch a movie. And uh, I believe I was in second grade when I saw this the first time. And, uh, we, you know, I just was amazed uh, from the very get-go, right? The, the chocolate and the, the candy confection that's going on in the, in the opening credits. You know, you're just like, oh, my God. Um, interestingly enough, as many times as I watched this as a kid, when I watched this again just the other day, I had forgotten about parts of the beginning, like I remembered everything from about the second part when they when they start into the to the factory. I remember all of that, like hands down, like every scene for the most part. But all the stuff before it, I was kind of like, oh, oh yeah, that's right. I remember that. Oh, okay, no, I had the mom singing. I I had totally. Right. I don't I don't know if I if I blanked it out because it was so bad, but uh, I just you know that's one of the things I found out is that when this airs on uh, like regular TV and they have to cut stuff for commercials. Mm -hmm. That is literally the first thing that's get cut is that song. Um, so, uh, but for me, yeah, we, I saw this in elementary school and I remember seeing it, uh, you know, it was one of those movies like now, you know, uh, Ragnarok comes on and I'm walking past. It's hard not to, to stop and just watch as a kid. If this was on, you stopped and watched it just, it's just what it was. 
Yeah, I don't think I had it in elementary school because I don't even remember VCRs in elementary school. I remember the projectors that that I, you know, I used to be assigned to help uh, load the the, uh, the reels on the projectors back in back at that time. Um, but uh, so for me, it was always that annual event on TV um, that uh, that would happen. And I, you know, you're right, Steve. I, did, I probably didn't see it on VCR, but we did see. I did see it in school, though. I remember that. Because we we used to get movies, uh, uh, big projector stuff. We sure, Pippi Longstockings. Yeah. I remember was another one. <laughs> Pippi Longstockings. Well, yeah, because films would tour, and you know, mm-hmm. once they got out of the that's theaters, what it was. They probably would send the send the reel to reel in a little sixteen millimeter, uh, you know, uh, yeah. reel to reel to the to the to the and and we'd have events like it'd be like oh yeah. for for this afternoon uh, assembly we we're gonna watch, uh, you know, Willy Wonka. That's what I remember factory. it being. I, and and I was surprised to find out it was rated G because uh, right, it's hard to get you can't you can't get a rated G move uh, rating these days because everyone's really particular about any any sort of adult situations or a mention of of something that's out of line. And here that you know they're cutting off chicken heads and it's it's it can be a little terrifying at times when Gene Wilder is raising his voice, which which is. Do you think, do you think today would still maintain its G rating if it dropped today? Nope. Not at all. Not at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, but but what gets a G rating? Uh, nothing does. I mean, I think it's yeah. Not even not even Disney stuff is really getting G rated unless it's like animation that's made for five year olds. Uh, Nobody know. wants to risk it. It's just like once you put a G rating, anyone can argue that oh well, you have a an adult situation. There's 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 something in the back. You know, I I, I think that's that's a hard. A hard sell to make anything G-rated. I, I know this because you know my wife's a, a teacher. She teaches you know, second grade, and so they're allowed to bring G-rated movies in to watch. And her selection—it's just harder and harder for her to find a G-rated movie. I'll have to let her know that this one's G-rated, so she has an out in case she wants to show this. But it might freak the kids out. So that's funny. Uh, Emily's school. When um, my daughter Emily, she teaches at a school. Apparently, they just watched this for. Um, their uh, film filmography and history stuff. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, let's get a little bit into this movie. Like, why why would this not be a G rate? I mean, this well, is this is. <laughs> there's some th- theories about this movie that's crazy if you get deep into it. Brandon brought up uh, a point about this being kind of with age. It gets more and more interesting, and and I think I think some Disney movies we we mentioned um, do this really successfully where they have it. You know, kind of a layered movie where there's a lot for the kids, but then there's this kind of adult, these adult themes that that play out that attract uh, the older audience as well. You know, this one certainly has that kind of interesting persona from Gene Wilder, who portrays Willy Wonka with such, you know, he's got that wonder, that awe, and then he's also kind of menacing. And uh, and then it's also you know exploring the seven deadly sins with these kids and all their uh, their different uh, sins that they're they're bringing in. So so it's oh, wow. it, it yeah <laughs> I, I I got gluttony yeah, greed uh, pride and sloth yeah. that I can call out for each of the four that that get get, get taken away it's at some funny. point. You say that because I'm like wow yeah that's that's 100 correct the, <laughs> all of those are in there that's right I I never would have thought that that's why I like these types of movies like there's just always something it's so layered there's something oh my else. god. The conspiracy theories and, and the thoughts that people have on this movie now is like there's people out there that are like um, talking about how uh, 
he had planned the whole thing and he had set up and he had given the golden tickets directly to those kids to get them in there to teach them a lesson. You know, there's a bunch of other things that are going on in this that it's like, you know, the whole uh, we're going to tell you how how to be good parents by telling you how not to raise these horrible kids and show you what these horrible kids are. Um, this was also a promotional stunt by uh, Quaker to sell candy. Um, they financed this movie in the beginning and it was to sell a, a chocolate bar. And so they were going to call it the Wonka bar. They ended up having to pull it from the shelves because apparently they didn't make it right. And it was melting on the shelves. <laughs> so, uh, but so they funded this movie to, to, to sell a, to sell candy. And I was like, that's crazy. I mean, we're talking Quaker, like the cereal Quaker company, you know, at the time had a, a candy division. It's ridiculous. And the, the original author, Rod Dahl, um, wrote the original screenplay for this and but but i guess he was Most missing some it. deadlines and they they ended up bringing someone else in to kind of finish it up and 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 then he took the, i guess they took it a lot of, a, a different direction or at least <laughs> at least the uh, the original author was not happy with with the songs and and some of the some of the things they did at the, and he disowned it and and that's actually mm -hmm. why the you know the the charlie the second one factory was made because that was kind of uh financed or, or you know it was endorsed by the the family i thought he author. had I, okay but yeah he had died by then why they had changed yes. the name the initial yes. title from charlie and the chocolate he Factory didn't like that right make it more willy wonka centric but uh which i think uh, makes more sense have you read the book brandon <laughs> i did but it was a while ago i wanted to read it before we met but i, I, <laughs> I so so it's on i mean my my wife has has it that she reads to her kids but i i went straight to youtube because it's about a three-hour listen on youtube and there's mm -hmm. there's audiobooks there that and so I, I i had read it previously but i listened to it again and i was surprised in both versions you know so much dialogue is drawn straight from the page i don't think i don't think the original one veered too far off at all and uh, and certainly this the the second one in the 2005 version was pretty spot on, but they did enhance his his backstory and kind of took it in a weird direction. <laughs> and his creepiness. <laughs> his creep. Well, but, I mean, Will Gene Wilder's creepy too, but uh, but yeah. But we he's can, no. We can, he's... We, can, we can talk about Johnny Depp's performance uh, later. Cause that's, <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole weird conversation on its own, yeah. <laughs> on its own right. Jackson vibes a little bit. Oh, my God, for sure. Yeah. But it's the chocolate factory kind of thing. So I, I, I watched it for a second time recently, and I, I was surprised how much more I enjoyed it the second viewing. I think I was expecting it to really turn me off. Um, but uh, I thought it was the I second it was one. This, the, the second one. Yeah, because I try. OK, yeah, I, I think I was a little bit more enamored with with Johnny Depp's performance the second time I saw it, just because I knew where he was going with it. So I, I was expecting that already, but some of the way he interacts with the kids, I think is hilarious. Um, oh, see, I was on the opposite it, end. It, it, I was more irritated by the second time well, than I was the first. Most of the dialogue is straight from the page though. Uh, you know, the yeah. way he talks to Mike TV about, you know, it's just mumble, mumbling. mumble, mumble. I thought that yeah. was funny, but, but some of the backstory and the way he doesn't, you know, he, he he's estranged from his, uh, father, that's written into the the 2005 movie. That's all added. All right. Well, let's get back to the one we're talking about. Okay. Uh, so, so <laughs> interesting thing with this is, so this is like an hour and a half long movie, and we don't even see Gene Wilder or Willy Wonka until like the 45 minute mark, uh, which I, you know, I didn't even think about that until someone mentioned it. And I was like, God, it feels like he's in it for the whole thing. I mean, he is so 
demand. I mean, he just takes over every scene and just he is so cinematic and and just this magnificent person in this that it's it's hard to take your eyes off him. That it almost seems like he's in the whole movie, but he's in half of it. It is. It's so. I mean, the performance is ridiculously good. Like, uh, it's. Um, I guess he he was nominated for uh, the best actor, but lost it to someone else, uh, which which is a shame because I I think this is phenomenal. Um, I love the songs that it. Uh, this wasn't supposed. To, or I guess it wasn't in the book. Wasn't musical, but it, they made it a musical with the songs. And I mean, some of the songs in this are, are iconic. Uh, you know the. Uh, Candyman, right? The very first one, which we're watching this right away, though. My wife goes, that guy's creepy. <laughs> that guy is like, I guess it's just the time and era we're in now. It's like, I don't, I didn't think of him as creepy then. Although I, he's got a horrible business uh, management. He's just throwing candy to these kids. I'm like, where, you know, what, they got tabs going? You keep it like, track. Maybe they have a monthly subscription. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they play a monthly thing to go there and get showered with candy. <laughs> you said something odd a moment ago, No, You said the book wasn't a musical. And uh, which which I think is kind of amusing to hear that because no, a book is not a musical. But in actuality, it kind of was because all the lyrics for the Oompa Loompa songs were written into the book. In fact, the first one or the second one? Well, the book, the book, all the lyrics for the Oompa Loompas were written into and they actually the, 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 the songs, the music that Danny Elfman wrote for the 2005 version, he included the the lyrics from okay. the from the book, so that's actually, that's what I was at because the the Oompa Loompa songs in the two movies are completely different. Yeah, right, the 2005 is straight from is it, it, the the dialogue the the lyrics were written by uh, yeah Roald Dahl. So uh, I, I just found that interesting. I'm, I'm gonna just go on. I'm gonna go out on a limb and make a a hot take on this. They were horrible. That that was the worst uh, Danny Elfman performance uh, musical stuff I've ever heard. I hated every minute of it. Yeah. I literally did. <laughs> you're, referring, uh, you're talking about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Right? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh. I I hated all the the music video looking crap. I, I I just I could not. And I love the Oompa Loompa part in the original. I I tell you, well, gosh, that's got its own crazy feel to it. It's totally psychedelic and stuff. I uh, I when the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie started and it was all digital and they were making chocolate through the title sequence, I was like, oh, this is this is bad. You know, I don't want to see digital animation. But I thought the movie got a little bit better with with some of the the smaller characters and stuff like that. Or you know, when they put it together. Um, but yeah, the Oompa Loompa stuff was a little odd. Just the fact yeah, that I he didn't... is the same actor. But they were trying something a little different. Um, I I think. Yeah. I, I, I feel in a lot of hate from you about about the Danny Elfman songs, though. I don't know if that's necessary. Oh, I, I literally, but... I li- <laughs> no, I literally hate I because I I mean I love. You can I, ask Alyssa as soon as the ones came on in the uh, watching I, it the first time. I'm seriously singing every Oompa Loompa song. It's almost like the words <laughs> came right back to my memory, like you know the Oompa Doompa Doompa Dee Dee. <laughs> no, I tell I tell you, it's tough to watch something that we've already seen in another form before and you know see a remake of it and really judge it for something new that it's become because i think they tried to do their best to make it completely different um as far as they could and 
And so and it was different. I'll give him that. There is it doesn't this, mean it was better. No, I, I, I agree with you there. But I still think it's a challenge <laughs> to try to separate what has what did you talk what do you talk about? Uh, what's it called? The imprinting. Imprinting. That you know, when it's something that's been imprinted from gosh, we were we were one year old, you know, we were in elementary school oh, yeah. when we first watched it. You know, all of us. So um, yeah. so uh, you know, that's that's a hard thing to overcome. When it when it resonates so well, and then you it see something different, true. and you say, "Okay, it's different. Is it better?" Well, no, no, it's not better. But can you really judge it effectively? No, not really. So I think we're going to be talking more about the Gene Wilder movie because that one's yeah. Out there. <laughs> well, I want to get back on that, and, and I want to throw this back to Brandon. Um, so uh, you know, you, you talk you talked about when you first saw this, but now I want to know what resonated the most with you. Like, what really drew you into this? Like. Was it was it the magic of the candy? Was it the the magical factory, or was it just the craziness of it? Kind of a mixture of things, and even kind of deeper than that a little bit. Um, I have to say, like I didn't I didn't grow up with a lot. Uh, we moved around a lot. We're kind of I'll say I'll say I was I grew up a little poor. Um, so it was kind of cool watching this movie because I, I didn't grow up that poor. Let me make that <laughs> clear. I was not that poor, um, but it was just you like were- something that I felt like I resonated with of. You know, other movies, maybe like Home Alone comes to mind, where this kid's in a mansion and, okay, yeah, we missed the <laughs> yeah. plane, you know, vacation somewhere with like a family of 10 plus people. Right. I ne- was never going to do that as a kid. So it was just kind of cool to like see the struggles of that Charlie Bucket went through of like, you know, he went to school and he kind of was just there. And didn't, you didn't really get the sense that he meshed around with a lot of people. And like I, I felt that way in other parts of my life, but it's just someone that like I resonate with. Like, okay, cool. Like he's a young kid, and when I watched this movie, I was about the same age that he was. So I was okay, probably like eight or nine, and he's probably like what twelve or something. I think that yeah, I think they're supposed to be around that ten to twelve age. It, mm-hmm. Interesting enough, all the actors were actually the the correct age too. Uh, I found oh. that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like now that would have been like uh, four or five of them would have been over 18. You know, there would have been one that was at least 32 playing, you know, a 12 year old. <laughs> yeah. So, that, I mean, I feel like I was drawn with that. And it's funny because around the same time, Matilda came out and um, there's and let's see, we also picked up uh, James and the Giant Peach. Right. And those are all rolled doll books that I never put that together as a kid. I, I never put that together. Gotcha. Um, so that was really cool. It's about all these kids that like maybe adventures they in. they're having a hard time, but then they have this abstract adventure and they don't come out rich or anything on top of like they become comfortable with what they have. Oh, I have a bunch of insects as friends. This is cool. Hey, I have powers and like now, you know, I'm having fun in school. This is cool. We got rid of the trunch bowl. Um, I just inherited a chocolate factory and my family's right. all good now. So it's like these really like feel good things at the end. So I feel like I resonated with that. But, you know, um, on top of that, too, you know, there are parts of the movie you know, you had mentioned you don't see Gene Wilder for the first 40 for the first 45 minutes. Right. And one of the things I like and dislike nowadays, because there isn't a whole lot of it, is that there's a lot of build up to things. So like the first 45 minutes, you're seeing that struggle and that portis and how bad it is. I mean, he comes home and he sees uh, Grandpa Joe's cabbage water soup thing and he's like oh man this again he's like well yeah what are you what are you gonna have and then he brings out this loaf of bread yeah and you know i was thinking about like wow if i had a loaf of bread that's what like a dollar something at safeway like that's nothing but that's the whole point like there we're gonna she mrs bucket said we'll have a banquet 
off yeah. of a loaf of bread. And it just kind of shows, like, you see their living style. There's four people in the bed. They're all <laughs> for the last 20 years. Um, they're struggling. She's doing laundry. It's, like, heaps of laundry of all the stuff she's taking care of. Um, so just to, the fact that they're excited about this loaf of bread, you're like, wow, okay, cool. Like, this, you don't see that too much too often in other movies. So there's just a lot of small big small things like that that really resonated with me yeah that's awesome uh it's funny you mentioned that i didn't, I didn't even think about that i remember um i i started working like you i grew up kind of poor uh when i lived with my mom in san jose uh, i started selling candy door to door one of those you know <laughs> like kid jobs you know when you're too young to really work but you know you're still out there hustling and uh, i remember the first weekend i i ended up making i made pretty good money around 60 70 dollars and first thing i did is i came home and i'm like all right mom let's go food shopping you that's know, cool. kind of, kind of the same thing. And I, it didn't dawn on me until you said that. I was like, oh shit! I wonder if that's why, because I do resonate with that a little bit too. Like the, the, the struggle of, of Charlie Bucket. You know, uh, there's some things he does that are kind of like, mm. like uh, that when he, when he, you know, his grandpa's telling him, you know, you want it more, and and they give him his, his candy bar, his, his yearly candy bar for his birthday, mm-hmm. and he goes, oh, I won, and just, you, you know, a psych. And it's like, why would you, why would you do that? That, <laughs> that didn't make yeah. no sense. I, th- I think <laughs> he wanted to please his, his, the people around him, and that was, that that's was what I thought too, because yeah. like there's this pressure of like this is your yearly chocolate bar. Everyone was just on you about, you know, it's in the news, it's everywhere. Your family's yeah. on you about like, <laughs> hey, this could be it. Um, and you don't want to let them down, so you, you're a kid, so you you lie to them, I guess. Yeah, um, I don't. But it was, it's kind of, it's kind of like one of those they're they're gonna catch you, and and you you got two seconds, you turn around and go, oh, I'm just kidding. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, it was just weird. It was just weird, weird. It's weird flex. Disappoint them even more that well, why yeah. don't have it, and now we're really upset. So, <laughs> for for yeah. me, I, I gotta say, Charlie Bucket, his kind of that genuine sincerity uh, resonated with me. And you cross that with such an eccentric world, you know, where where things are just a little bit off. You're in this European, um, you know, style community, you know, where the houses yeah. don't look anything like where I'm from, or you know, it's just really odd. They remind me of of, of England, and 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 yet, but everyone still speaks in kind of you know. English, you know American accents and but then Charlie's like they, the only one without an accent I just picked up on that today he's like in know. school and he's just talking oh that's true at school yeah and, so, that's true and like he's the only one without one okay but then well, they did, Mike TV didn't have an accent none of the and yeah Ruka they Smoke. did it on purpose what? the little town it, they, okay. they filmed it in in uh, Germany uh, okay. but it was but they they had all the actors and they didn't go like all British or all American they kind of had this like mix of it so that it didn't highlight one area the idea was is that you can't pinpoint this town to one place mm, yeah um, job. yeah so and, and that's and i read too that they were showing um that they didn't want many cars shown in the in the movie so that you couldn't time stamp it a little bit you know it, it, he tried to make it so it was very you know this this otherly area like you can't pinpoint the town and and i thought that was really done well and it was and and especially when you have such a grounded character that you can relate to that with with charlie yeah um and then but then all these characters are coming out just <laughs> looking weirder and weirder and here he is as someone you can still kind of connect with he was the he was the thing that kept me you know sane through this movie of you know which got really weird I, i'm not saying that i was frightened by it but I, but still it's 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 off-putting at time or it makes you feel off balance um, well it's a movie of two halves in a way too you the first half is the story of charlie bucket and how he gets there and the second side of the story is is willy wonka uh 
and and you know because Charlie really doesn't do much or say much until towards the very end. I mean, they they threw in that scene with the the fizzy lifting, uh, drink fizzy to, lifting drinks. Yeah, they that wasn't in the books, and apparently they threw that in there just because they felt that Charlie had been ignored from kind of the get go, and you know they needed to to kind of highlight him a little bit in the middle there, just so you still knew he was around. I like that though too. Them bringing that in because as you you know, Steve was talking about the seven deadly sins and all that, right? Like and and also bringing up how like I want peer comes to mind for Charlie for a second. Bear with me, but like you know he's this very good-hearted kid. But then we're going through the factory. Kids are getting picked off, <clears throat> picked off left and right. And then all of a sudden, his grandpa's like, "Hey, fizzy lifting jig, let's go take a sip." And yeah. he's like, oh, Okay, 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 let's do that. So I, I like how that kind of turned it a little bit. Like, ah, you aren't that perfect. Like, you still exactly a human. You're still making mistakes you're still that even though grandpa joe said so um yeah yeah so i like that element. it's a little naive it, it well mm-hmm. it added such an effective climax too with gene wilder when he just you know blew up at the kid at the end none of that was in the in the book the whole uh you know him 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 turning in the the uh everlasting, Ever, everlasting gobstopper, gobstopper. And, then, and then having uh slugworth turn out to be mr wilkinson that was all that was all tied into this but it was effective and you know we we talk about the kids seeming kind of genuine and you were saying they were all age appropriate and stuff a lot of the scenes were never uh, revealed to the kids until they were actually shooting like like when they actually opened the doors on the on the chocolate the the, 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 the big floor uh, the big yeah the big river and stuff like oh that oh my god that was that was revealed when they were shooting and and when Gene Wilder blew up at the kid i think they rehearsed it you know very much more you know relaxed but they wanted yeah. to amp it up for the actual, um, actual, you know, when he blew up at the end, and then and then when he's in the uh, boat and and narrating yeah. word for word straight from the book the whole thing about uh, about everything going a little bit crazy and psychedelic, yeah. Ch- head, chickens getting their heads cut off all around. Um, that was well, also they, they were trying to get a reaction out of the kids. By the him. first scene with him too, with him limping in, and then doing the somersault. That was his so that required. Was, that was Jim Wilder said he wouldn't do the movie unless he could do that because yeah, what, how do you put it? Because they wouldn't then the they kid, wouldn't trust him. They, they wouldn't know whether or not to trust him. Yeah, yeah. Which he thought was wouldn't great. know if he was lying or not. <laughs> First thing I noticed with that is as he's walking out, the cane was bending, and I'm like, that's a fucking weak ass cane because like he would step down and it would literally bow, and I'm like, that that's not working for what you need it for, buddy. Um, but then the, you're talking about the reaction shots of uh, I think it's specifically Violet uh, when when he did that her she didn't know he was going to do that and, and her reaction is a legit like action shot <laughs> you know true. and I was like that's that's it, I think that's kind of what makes this movie so good is there is some of these things that are so realistic in it the uh, you know you talked about them going into that first the the candy room I don't know what else to call it but none of the uh none of the actors had seen it so when they actually go into it it's the first time they all get to see it and i know this last time when we watched i think we watched it sunday night um i had that same feeling i did when i was like you know 10 12 years old watching this one opening up going oh my god that looks so good i all of the trees and all the bushes and all that i was like oh my i was not a big fan of the chocolate river i I was like yeah no i don't need to mess with that but all the other like that big gummy bear that drops out the tree man i'd have been up on that tree just knocking gummy bears out (laughs) left and right like (laughs) yeah i'd be feasting on gummy bears yeah and the song gene wilder sings you know imagination imagination is so well you know 
paired with this scene because it's no longer just this frenzy of I want to eat chocolate. It's it's this fantasy world of imagination that that is is so um, attractive and alluring to a child. Just I want to. It's be a beautiful song world. too. Yeah. Song. Yeah. And he's got some, yeah that he's one. Got some vocal. <laughs> oh, he does. He does. I think that one, Candyman, and Candyman was an interesting song because um, that one, uh, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. wanted to actually do that song in the movie, and they said, "No, you're a little bit too big of a star. We don't, we don't want that kind of re um, recognition in the movie. Like it kind of takes people out of it." And so, but he ended up going, you know, singing that song later on to like, like I think it became a top ten, maybe even higher for a while. You know, it, it became one of his like fully known Sammy Davis Jr. songs and stuff. I thought that was kind of cool that from this movie, a, a, a song written for this movie, he goes out and ends up, you know, turning into like this worldwide phenomenon song. You know, I thought that was kind of cool. Hmm. Um, I, I heard that. I'll have to take a, I, I think I have heard that. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's stuff I learned. I, I listened to about, th I, I got about three days in a podcast. I, I do want to mention one podcast because... I, I think you guys would enjoy this. Um, it's called Film Reads, um, and I listened to this today, and what it is 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 they take a script from a movie and kind of write it how it is, but then rewrite some stuff in it, like little things, kind of makes little things a little more modern, and then give them to these comedians, and they, they act them out and read them out uh, as, they're do it, like as they were doing the movie. And so I listened to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory today, or I guess it was Willy Wonka. They did the Willy Wonka version. And I have not laughed so hard in so long. And it's, it's literally about as long as the movie was. I think it was like an hour and 40 minutes. It was one of the funniest things I've ever heard in a podcast. It was so hilarious. Um, but yeah, it's called Film Reads. They, they've got like 30, 40 different episodes. Of, they got E.T., Steve. I think you need to go. That, yeah, I think you'd probably <laughs> enjoy that one. I know that's one of your favorites, so I think that would be one well, that you could It's funny you bring that up because that's another movie where you have a director in Spielberg who's so effective at directing uh, kids uh, because he's able to get genuine emotion out of them in, yeah. in scenes, um, but maybe using different techniques than, than yeah. you know, surprising them. <laughs> But yeah, I, want, I wanted to bring up that podcast because I thought it was so incredible. Uh, but all the other ones I did listen to, I, I found out all this crazy information that, you know, Charlie really never acted again. I think he was in one other thing like 15, 16 years later. He became a veterinarian. Yep. Um, you know, uh, so I guess the, the rest of them, there was a couple of them that were that stayed in acting. I guess uh, the one who played uh, Violet and Veruca Salt, they, they acted for quite a while. Um, Gene Wilder. Um, Grandpa Joe, the, the guy that played Grandpa Joe... He was an actor for a while. Interesting thing about him, apparently he was almost like he's, he's clinically blind. So they actually had to have a red light that they would hold off, off, off film or off screen so that he knew where to look. Oh, because he was the result of some gassing from uh, World War World I. World War One. yeah. It's like, okay, oh that's yeah. that interesting. I mean, I, you, you wouldn't have thought that, like watching him do his acting, which another one, there's, a, there's another podcast I listen to. It's called The Villain is Right. Or the villain was right, and uh, they go through and they they kind of reassess the movies and and reassess who the villain in the movie is, and they came up to the conclusion that uh, 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 Grandpa Joe was actually the villain of this movie. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny I've heard I've, that's one of the uh, conspiracy theories I've heard yeah. about, and it's I forget uh, there's um, a channel on YouTube I like to watch uh, Pitch Meeting. Uh, where he just he he's having this it's like he's pitching a movie to yeah. the person which he plays as himself <laughs> one of the things i thought was funny about that one was 
uh grandpa joe i wrote this down to you so grandpa joe like at the beginning is like oh man i want to contribute to this family wants to get my strength back yeah and immediately charlie brings the golden ticket home and he springs <laughs> right out of bed into a number and starts singing. yeah it's like oh how about that strength to put food on the table but no you're ready to go back to the factory okay yeah <laughs> so I exactly could be a villain for sure well, they were also saying, if you listen to that song, too, he doesn't say that, oh, Charlie, you won the ticket. He's like, I got this, and I get the breaks, and it's all about me. And it's like, oh. And he's the, that's, yeah, that's that's what yeah. Uncle, Grandpa Joe was saying. And then he's the one that, uh, you know, got got him to, to drink the, the fizzy lifting drink, right? You know, he wouldn't have done that. And there's some other lines that they talk about, like, uh, he's like when, um, I think it's uh, in the beginning when... Um, He's getting sucked up the tube in the in the chocolate uh, river. He's all excited about it. He goes, ah, watch this. This is what happens. What you want to know what a what a gun does? <laughs> like he's all into the uh, all into the other kids getting like murdered and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> it's just one of those like, oh man. So it, it was just it's a fun listen to. This was one of the ones I enjoyed most because there's so like, because it's such an old movie and there's so many different things with it people have these great takes on it because it's kind of a cult classic too there there's this fun take um i don't think there was anybody that came across and this is probably one of the first times that i didn't come across anybody that hated this movie you know there's there's almost always i can find someone that just hates the movie that they're talking about which probably you know, serial killers if they do yeah i mean it's it, like literally everybody was like oh my god this is such a good movie and, and and like you said the age range was ridiculous like you know there's podcasts that i listen to that of, of people our age you know that are as old as this movie 50 which you know just last year it had its 50th anniversary which was crazy um you know and then uh you know even younger i think one of them i was listening to was like a, a an 18 or 19 year old was talking about you know she had just seen this in the last couple of years and just how much she loved it and and to the same effect you know a lot of people rate you know going back and forth between the two the the 2005 and this one and there was only one person i listened to that actually said the 2005 movie was better than this one most people were in the same camp were like mm. it was a little too creepy you know there was one person that just really couldn't get behind anything Tim Burton did. There was one person that really just hated Johnny Depp, and it was kind of like, you know, but there was nobody that just was like, yeah, the 2005 was so much better, you know, hmm. which which but, is interesting how, you know, how consistent it was. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like that's what makes the original so great, and I was noting that as I was watching it today. It's every scene has a quirk to it. Um, as they're going through the different labs and the, when they're in the chocolate factory, and then Willy Wonka like dumps some shoes into the pot. And it's yeah. Like, oh, it's like, oh, to give it a kick. Kick, yeah. And, like I wouldn't <laughs> laugh at that as a kid, but it was funny as an adult. But the one that like really was a revelation for me today was when he sticks his hand in there. He's like, oh. And they're like, cold. oh, it's, too hot. it's like, oh, too cold. cold, far too cold. And then he throws a There's jacket a in there. And like, I never <laughs> understood that. I thought he was just being weird, but it's like, ah, it's too cold. He's throwing a jacket in there. Yeah. Got it. That, that's kind of playing off some scene. of the puns of the book too. Cause there's a, there's a whole scene in the book that refers to, um, what is it? Square chocolate that looks round. You know, and it's, it's, it's it, it, the whole oh. it, it's square chocolate that looks round and they keep talking about it. It's like, well, how could it be square and round at the same time? No, it's square chocolate that looks round. And then at the end of the scene, you know, something happens and there's little eyeballs on the square chocolates and they start looking around. So I see, start, you know, square chocolate looks round. Ah, so yes. so the, the book kind of played <laughs> off of these little puns, too, that it was probably probably trying to draw from without having to get too creepy with eyes on chocolates. <laughs> yeah. No, he <laughs> does. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
I was just gonna say he does such a great job with that. Just um, it's one of those ones if you if you don't listen through everything, you might miss stuff. Like you almost have to watch this a couple times because you're gonna miss one or two of them. Uh, the way he talks. Yeah. So uh, speaking on that, there is something uh, when they're signing the contract when they first go in. And it says, whereas for damage caused by lightning, earthquakes, floods, fires, frost, or frippery. Yeah. And I never, I, I thought that was like one of those made up words. And I looked it up today. I was like, oh, that's an actual, that's an actual word. Okay. Never. Wait, yeah. <laughs> Wait, frippery. What is it? <laughs> frippery, I think I saw it pulled up. Um, it was, I'll get back to you on that. I have. I, yeah, I saw it too. It's, it has something to do with like, um, like uh, the candy or, you know, uh, uh, I something like that, but yeah, showy Frippery. or unnecessary ornament in architecture, dress, or language. Yeah. That's what there it is. is. <laughs> so I thought that was just like because I read a little. So I read the book, and I know that like he makes up a bunch of words. So when I heard that as a kid, I was like, oh, made up word. And then you look it up, and it's not. It's absolutely. It's <laughs> well, I mean, the 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 first bar, the the Wonka scrumdiddlyuncious, right? I'm and the kid, yes. yeah, and then and the kid goes, how does he do it? You know, it's like just makes up these things, these things, and it's like so crazy. It, like it, there, there's so much good stuff in this. But like I, I have to say, the main thing that really resonated with me was watching again is how much stuff in the beginning I didn't really remember as much. But now as an adult, I would remember. When we talked, you talked about the the scene with the the lady with the kidnapped husband, right, and the Wonka bars, and there's all those little snippets in between of the the news reports and stuff like that. Those are all for the most part written for adults. Yeah, and they're kind of like these they're not commercials, but like there's these little breaks from the movie yeah. that I feel like there's there's so many quirks and quips and stuff throughout the movie everything's interesting about it yeah um another thing i caught on the the latest time i watched it was when um that therapist is talking to a client he's like oh <laughs> you know it, it's it, dreams are to move upon your dreams is a form of insanity he says something along those lines <laughs> and then so then the, the client starts talking about well i just i dream where the where, where the ticket was and now the therapist changes his complete tune <laughs> the now so it's, yeah but before a scene before that they were talking about uh, Wonka mania and how it's taking over. <laughs> right. So I like how, you know, this is one of those small things I really, the small details of this movie I really enjoy is because you see Charlie's perspective of things. And then when he gets his ticket and he gets flooded by people or, you know, it cuts to Augustus Gloop and what his reaction was when he got it. But it's also just going to some random public people and how it's yeah. impacting their lives. Woman is legit letting her husband be kidnapped so that she can do her Wonka bars. There are people inventing robots so that they can predict oh. where these things are. It is completely changing someone's relationship with their therapist and the therapist is beginning to experience the Wonka mania. So it's it's really making all these different people human yeah. um, and doing these weird things. So I, I really like that as a whole. It's like Charlie's story, Willy Wonka's story, the public story, and you get a, a good window of each of everything. The the computer scene, right? That uh, this is another one that I had forgotten, and <laughs> and when I was watching again, I laughed my ass off. Especially the you know, it's like I'm gonna punch this in, and it's gonna tell me where it is, and it's like I can't do that. It's like oh, I'm gonna, what would you do with a you know a lifetime of chocolate? It's like I'm a computer. What do I need to do? With I'm gonna tell her where it can put that chocolate. <laughs> it's just like I mean the buttons in aggressive. Yeah like oh yeah somewhere <laughs> i was like that is so funny but that yeah like kids that they wouldn't get that at all i also thought it was funny because at the time 
The computer, if you look, it takes up the whole room behind him, and it literally has four arrow buttons and a center button. He's like punching in the information on that. And I'm like, yeah, that that wouldn't work that way. But it, it was hilarious <laughs> for what it was. Um, so good. Um, yeah, you know, we talk about too the um, deep into the story, and this goes into some of the conspiracy theories. Is we get the the news breaks of the first, you know, first ticket found, and it's uh, Augustus Gloop. You know, they, they, they go over to him, and he's sitting there just eating a chocolate bar. His dad's in the back just beating up those sausages. His mom's on the side in the leader hose, and it's just, you know, the the scenery itself is pretty funny. And, you know, they're, they're like, what did you do to celebrate? Well, I ate more chocolate, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, you know, uh, the other funny one on that is is they're talking to him, and, and the, the reporter pushes the mic over to his dad. His dad just you reaches over with his mouth and eats the top of the mic. Scobbles it up. Yeah, it's just it's nothing. Yeah, it's just so. I mean, little things like that, funny. But we also got um, the first. Uh, this is where the story really kind of kicks in that that carries throughout. Is is uh, um, oh why can't I think of his name? Um, the guy with the scar, Slug oh, Slugworth. Slugworth, um, right? And and he does the you know he whispers in his ear and stuff like that. And you're like, oh this. You know, you know he's a villain because he's got a big scar on his face, you know. And so that was one of the the, you know, the everybody was talking about that, um, and that you know, then we get the next one I believe is uh, we get Veruca, um, you know, and her whole they they start her off as is is the most unlikable child ever, <laughs> right? You know yeah. the as especially as a parent I was like oh my god I would have thrown her ass off that balcony in a heartbeat, <laughs> but uh, you know the whole. All those women shelling all the the chocolate bars, looking for it, and her just you know wanting more and more. My first thought as an adult watching that was like, what a waste of fucking chocolate. <laughs> it is, but that's like the ant. I don't want is the term antithesis. I don't know, but the the contrary to Charlie Bucket, where he can only afford one. Right. And now you have somebody else. Just a uh, side note. I didn't know that uh, Mr. Salt. His company was uh, Peanuts. I had <laughs> nice. no idea when I watched Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But then when I watched Willy Wonka, it was like it said it on the side. Yeah. And then he made like one comment about it. But the one thing, you know, as we're comparing to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I like the commentary that when Charlie and his family are sitting down at the, t you know, the TV and watching it, they're like, that's not even fair. Like they're just yeah. buying them just to get them and getting that and then disposing of them. It's as you just said, no, it's a complete waste. And yeah. so I really like how they juxtapose that in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where they're putting in, from their perspective, their two cents on each family getting, you know, yeah. uh, finding a ticket. Yeah. Actually, what I think what ha really happened is is uh, Mr. Salt actually is a good businessman, and what he was doing was he was collecting all that chocolate, and he was going to mix the peanuts in the chocolate, and then he got his, you know, the Mr. Good bar. Oh, so he, he he flipped that shit business wise, you know. The, that's a good so. that's a conspiracy theory. If that's not <laughs> you mentioned, oh. you mentioned Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, as far as uh, the the dialogue you were referring to is is right out of the page of the of the book too. But one of the things that's interesting that both movies do that the book does differently is that in in the book. Um, every other kid besides Charlie brought both their parents, mother and father, to the factory. Whereas both movies, they just limited it to one one parent. I thought that was interesting that he was kind of the sole sole person without either a mother or father. Instead, he brought his grand grand. So in the in the book, were both parents there, or was Charlie's dad? 
they yes. were both alive. In the yes, book. they were they okay. were both alive, just like in in the Tim Burton Charlie the two thousand five. Okay, that was weird. When I started reading the book, I was like, "Oh, his his dad's alive." But then you look back in Willy Walk in the Chocolate Factory; it's never mentioned, as far as I know. They yes. don't mention what no, happened they do. to his dad. Well, they do. Oh, they do say that he's not alive. In Willy Walk in the Chocolate Factory? Yeah. Oh, I, I must have missed that. But I always assumed that he was dead, but I didn't know it was yeah. stated. Okay. I don't remember either way, but yeah, I, I thought that was interesting too. And I was like, you know, uh, I did notice too in the, in the 2005, they they uh, they each only had one parent there too, but they, they swapped the parents of uh, uh, Mike TV and Violet, I believe. Because Violet had her, her mom instead of, which that is the one thing I think is better in the 2005 than it was in the original was the Violet character and her mom and just, just their attitude and reaction I thought was really good in the 2005. I enjoyed that kind of the little Miss Prissy, you know, uh, them in the matching outfits and stuff like that. It was very much a 2005 thing too. Like that wasn't going on as much in, in 1971. So it wouldn't have played as well, but it definitely took that change and, and made that better. But that was the only one that really, I noticed that made it any better, but I thought that was kind of interesting. So, um, but yeah, so we got, we got Veruca Salt, which I think is incredible because she is such a, she might be the second most memorable character, uh, besides Willy Wonka in this, in this movie, everybody, I mean, she, she, her name is used uh, by a band. Veruca Salk is, is a, is a good band that was very popular. Uh, and they took that right from there. And everybody knows that I want it now song and, my, and just, right. My wife, she says she, you know, when she reads it to her kids, her second graders, she'll read the book. And like, after she's, she's halfway through, she'll invite the, the kids up to, to say one of the lines it's it's typically veruca salt and you know they get to act out the i want it now, now. you know and they, and she says a lot of fun with that <laughs> i like that uh interesting enough so that she she was the next one um then we got i believe it was violet which this is this is one where I, uh, it, it's kind of people are are torn where where some people are saying that she wasn't that bad of a kid her her only vice was that she chewed gum you know, uh, like Steve Pitt pointed out, the, the the seven deadly sins. I picked it up right away. The pride, right? The, you know, the I'm better than you kind of. You know, self centered. She, she has very self centered. Yeah, she has that. Gum for however long. <laughs> I beat this other girl out. We were doing right. Time. Yeah. Well, she calls her out and then does the little pinky flip at her, like have uh, whatever her name was. Are you sweetie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent act, you know, so funny. Uh, one of the things I read in there too, or, or found out today, is uh, apparently, so she had the the blue dye, you know, to make her a blueberry. So apparently, when when they applied that, some of that soaked down into her pores. So when she went back to school, apparently, it started to come out uh, at one point. So people were starting to point like Violet, you're turning Violet, like in her school, and so she actually had like a, an actual reaction to the to the uh die coming back at a certain time and i was like that's pretty funny hmm. uh you know the, the little stuff you learn about these things is just kind of fun yeah. uh we get uh mike tv which probably one of the the, the i don't know he's kind of one of the more boring characters has one of the more boring deaths if you ask me in in ah. or, I, I don't want to call it deaths <laughs> but uh it, mishaps or you know uh it, it it fits his character, but it's also one of the, it's kind of like 
it's almost like they ran out of ideas to what to do with these kids a little bit it seems you know towards the end but uh you know he's he's an interesting kid you know it's that whole um this is the author pointing out his view you know of tv rots the mind read a book you know it this is what i called out as sloth as the sin just because you're kind of you're one that just you know sits there watching tv although his character was much more hyped up like he'd been drinking coffee all day you know so um he was a riddling kid for sure (laughs) yes perfect (laughs) perfect You know, but yeah, this was when the author, uh, you know, I think definitely was trying to put his own spin on things that where, because I guess in the in the book, in the song that they the Oompa Loompa sing, it it goes on for like four or five pages about the song. He's like, you know, uh, TV or rot your brain, read a book, and then it goes on to mention just book after book after book after book after book, and it's like, okay, we get it. You 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 think kids should be reading? We we understand you. You know, I wonder, uh, Roald Dahl, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Roald Dahl, um, I wonder how much he liked kids, because certainly it comes across I don't sometimes think he did. That, that, you know, you know he, he's creating this angelic hero in, in Charlie Bucket, but that's so far-fetched, you know, everyone has their vices, it's just, little kids <laughs> are the ones, that, you know, get off my lawn, we, we you know, I, I'm almost <laughs> thinking that's, that's what he thought of kids uh, in the... In the, in I, the 60s <laughs> i think a lot of I, and a lot of people back this up too with with their thoughts is that yeah he he didn't actually like kids a lot <laughs> he liked writing books about kids and his stories but he didn't care for kids much um which makes sense so uh interesting story one of the drinks i started to look down was uh you know we got the scene where they're licking the wallpaper and you get the the line the snozberries taste like snozberries and so uh, I found a, an actual, it's a batch soda company, and they have, it's called Snozberry. So I was looking at doing that, and then I looked at some more stuff, and I, I Google searched Snozberries. And they, apparently, uh, Ron Dahl hit it like 10, 15 years after this, wrote an adult-based book. Uh, and, and when I mean adult, I mean adult-based book. And so apparently there's a scene where a woman is supposed to... Uh, collect semen from a guy in a into a condom and they ask her how she did it she goes well i just i grabbed onto his snozberries and held on and so apparently snozberries are exactly what <laughs> this, is a book? this was a book i don't know though this is i heard this on a podcast so i, I can't say 100 percent, but i read it on the internet so you know if it's on the internet it must be true so I just, I was like, that's fucking hilarious. So then right then I was like, yeah, I'm changing my drink from snozberries to something completely different. <laughs> I got to look this up. This is awesome. Wow. <laughs> I, I laughed. I, I, when I saw that, I was like, oh my God. I mean, I didn't dig too deep into it, but I was laughing uh, when I read that. Uh, I was like, oh my God, that's funny. Um, so that's, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of... Mike TV, I was thinking uh, when I was watching Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I was like, oh, they actually had him ride the glass elevator, which, you know, and this is coming from a standpoint I'm so used to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory where right. that's that's that ends the movie. And so when when Mike TV got in that, I was like, what's going on here? But they just rearranged it. it Remind me of yeah. like Harry Potter when they're like, he gets the firebolt at the end, which didn't happen in the book. And so it just changes like that. I'm like, mm, <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I do yeah. like in the, in the uh, the 2005 movie, the Charlie movie. Um, they show the children at the end uh, leaving the factory after, mm-hmm. and apparently that's from the book too. Yeah, that's right uh, out of the book. And oh. So that that's kind of interesting. You know, you got you got uh, Augustus. He's just covered in chocolate. He's still licking his fingers, and his mom's telling him to knock it off. You've got um, 
uh, Veruca is and her dad are both covered in in garbage. You've got um, Violet doing some weird like bendy acrobatic shit. She's all still purple, so I don't know what like what that's supposed to. I guess if you get juiced, you get really flexible. Uh, and then Mike squeeze it out of her. Um, yeah, <laughs> I guess. Well, it's interesting too, you know, as you're talking about how they all can't. You get to see them at the end because yes. with Walker, you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's the way that, and this, and they like this about this movie. But Gene Wilder's character, it's kind of like a, oh yeah, like, you know, they'll hopefully he makes it out. He's gonna yeah. stay to the boiling room. <laughs> yeah. Be okay, and you're like, is he gonna be okay? And you never see or hear from him ever again. And then Charlie and Chocolate Factory, and as Steve is saying in the book, you get to see them in the end in yeah. the form that's kind of the aftermath of it. And what's yeah. interesting, I thought, too, is that these, at least with, what was it, Veruca, didn't le learn her lesson. Um, she walks out and she makes a comment about wanting yeah. something. Um, and you're like, But her dad did snap at her and said, knock it off. So maybe the dad, yeah. <laughs> so it did, it did learn. Interesting, too. I, uh, I want to talk about that scene specifically, uh, comparing the two in the movie. Uh, so the in the in the Willy Wonka movie, we get Veruca's downfall is the golden goose or the goose that laid the golden eggs. Right. Really fun scene, you know. They, they talk about, you know, they're the chocolate eggs that go out during Easter or whatever, and they're laying over time. You know, the one guy goes, oh, but Easter's over. It's like, shh, don't tell them. You know, they they don't know that. Um, and then, uh, you know, she goes into her, her iconic song as I Want It Now, right? And then she jumps up on there, and, and it shows her as a bad egg, and you get the bump bump and she drops. <laughs> I love the sound effect on that, too. It's just I, it's just one of those ones. Uh, great Oopa Loopa song. Um, apparently... <laughs> The second movie, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, is more accurate to the book where it was the squirrels and checking for a bad nut. Now, um, I understand why they had to change that for the 1971 movie because mm, I, I'm going to say everything in that is pretty much practical. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no CGI available, and, and it'd be really hard to train like 100 squirrels to, to just knock on a girl's head and, and throw her into a hole uh, at that time. So, I understand why they changed it. Now, my my curiosity to you guys is, which do you think is the better, the better overall scene? Like, just in, in you know, did you like the squirrels more, or did you like the 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 goose, with the song? <laughs> you're really you're really promoting the song. <laughs> I well, it's an iconic song. It's but, a good song. it's I love all the songs. But I, I do I'm too. Cer I'm certainly a bigger fan of the of the golden egg, just because that's what I. That's what I based my childhood on, but I think I think they both work. And and you're right that uh, the in reading in reading or listening to the audiobook, uh, it's spot on the squirrel. In fact, yeah. there's that scene when all the squirrels kind of come on top of her and pin her arms and down, pin her and stuff down like yeah. that. I remember watching the movie going, "Oh my gosh, this is a little uncomfortable as they're you know pinning <laughs> this this child on." And uh, but. But it's it's exactly how it's laid out in the book too, where they kind of pin her arms down, and the one comes up and knocks on her, you know, on her yeah. head, and said, "Oh, it's a bad nut." And uh, in, in this book, in this case, though, both the parents get you know jumped down after the the child. So, or I think one of one Is of them gets kicked in, and the other one goes running, <laughs> running after uh, because. In answering are, that question, I'm trying to be both objective and realistic. So, like, <laughs> the objective part of me is just like, you know, because I, I agree with Steve. Like, no, that's I, I'm golden goose. Like, that's how it's, <laughs> that's how I saw it. That's how it should be. Uh, but the realism for me is like, well, I don't. 
the, the the squirrels carrying her away is not realistic, but then also a bunch of people from Loompa Land <laughs> coming in to like work a factory um, is not realistic either. <laughs> but um, but I think in terms of what I weigh it down to is still the golden the golden goose, the geese. Yeah. Um, just because it was uh, the animals had nothing to do with it. They were doing their job. She's yeah. Singing and prancing around. She happens to get on the scale, gets judged as bad, and then she's gone. Instead yeah. of like the squirrels capturing her, you know, carrying her off, tapping on her head. I like that they're testing her and everything. Yeah. But then they like systematically like go and like throw her down the chute in the middle of the floor. So I prefer the golden the golden goose part. And then I like yeah. how Dad just like. Yeah, moderately freaks out and then, yeah. and then just jumps over there too and then he gets judged um yeah. he's gone so i kind of like that um i, I, I agree i i, I like I, I think the simplicity of it works mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it's it and and i think the song uh helps it a lot uh because they had to be so simple because they didn't have the whole uh squirrels running the muck and capture you know capturing her and all that so the song really captures that and, and it really shows off her her character, her pulling all the, uh, you know, wrapping and throwing a fit, you know, literally throwing a fit in, in just the, it, it makes her such the iconic character from this movie that she is. And then the, the best, you know, the bra and bad and drop. I, I think it's a, it's a better, better way. And maybe this is why doll was so mad is that, you know, the movie improved on his book and he couldn't handle it. You know, his <laughs> ego was, was hurt. So, I, yeah, I don't know why he was so. One, but... Yeah, I don't know why he was so upset because I think it's it's a it's a good adaptation. I think he was probably ticked off that the screenplay he wrote got rewritten. Um, but you know what? They also said too that he wanted someone other than Gene Wilder. He had picked out an actor, a friend apparently, and I can't remember something Cross, I believe. And so when they didn't go with him, that also you know was like, oh, you know, it's, it's so. It's very, I mean, it's so so much more similar to the book than I would have expected after re- kind of hearing about his reaction to it. <laughs> it's like almost, I mean, they have a lot of that early stuff uh, that's, that's, they've added. They add some stuff, but so much of the dialogue is the same. And, and the songs, well, that's okay. I mean, I, you got to admit, though, the Oompa Loompas are really bizarre in, in this. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know, Brandon? Do you know the story behind the Oompa Loompas in in the 1971 movie, um, compared to the books? I do not. Okay, so um, I I didn't know this until like just recently. Apparently, in the book, uh, the Oompa Loompas were originally uh, African pygmies that he went and and brought back and stuff like this. So when it came <laughs> out, the uh, the double in, double I can never say it, double NCP. Oh, what is it? Oh, N double ACP. That's it. I always <laughs> I'm like uh, I always say double first and it screws me up. Uh, <laughs> apparently they they had a big issue with this and so they went and and you know kind of got in their face and like hey no we're not you know we don't want this. It was and animated so, that way too. It was animated and they ha- actually had him change yeah. the animation for the book. Well, he did. He went back after, so they changed the movie to to make them these kind of unrecognizable. Like they're they're not real people. They're not anything. You know, they're just kind of, you know, orange skin midgets or, or little people or whatever you want to. Um, so they kind of took it so there wasn't any race, gender, you know, any nationality. Uh, but then he went back and rewrote his book to change it. So that they, and I think in the in the new book he changed it to like some real super pale skin kind of. I don't know where they came from, um, but yeah, I was just I completely new to me. I was like, oh, 
Okay. The crazy Dahl's crazy. Uh, wife, his, or actually, this was after he died, claimed that the that Charlie was originally written as a quote a little black boy, um, and that was an early draft that they changed because people didn't think that. What, what do they say? So uh, they thought Black Charlie would not appeal to readers. So I, I saw something on that too, and and, and they keep because <laughs> you can't yeah. see someone you're reading, but it's just like knowing. But I, I mean, I, I'm not surprised. So you look yeah. at today uh, as well too. But anyway, well, yeah. I mean, I, I heard too that this that he that that came out after the the whole change of everything else, and he brought that up. And there's there's a theory that he he said that just to appease, like you know, kind of like oh, but it was gonna you know like. Like I'm, I'm not racist. This is this is what I and I was like, okay, well, where's where's the first draft? Show us that, like, you know. <laughs> What's the first draft then? Good, good yeah. point. So, it's possible, yeah. So kind of, yeah. no, and so I was like, you know, it, it's one of those things. I I actually like the Oompa Loompas the way the the originals. I think it's fun that they're a magical because then people brought up the fact too. They're all like, like they're saying, oh man, Willy Wonka's is he's. He went and now he's got slave labor and he just bring these people over and and so I think when when you when you bring him these oopaloopas when they're kind of magical in this fairy tale type thing it it's not so resident about that it's more like no he brought these people here and and yes they're working for him but it's I don't I never saw him as as slave labor I saw him as like that they they are working you know and then they live there and this is part of their lives it's just like we all go to work too it's like you know it, uh, I think I it went I think they moved it from like overly insensitive for especially yeah. for the time um yeah. and everything to eh, questionably sensitive because yeah. now it's just a made up person people from far away that don't technically exist so you can't really get upset about it to <laughs> yeah the same thing so yeah. it's just a different coat of paint uh but it's the same thing so it's just not overly insensitive now well I, to me, I, I just, I, it never seemed to me like that. But I, I mean, it wasn't something on my mind either. I just was like, no, these are candy makers. This is, this is part of what they. I mean, to me, I thought of it the same way. I think of like the Seven Dwarves in, in, in uh, you know, right. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. They're just, they're dwarves. They go out and they mine, and then they come home, and there's a chick <laughs> in their house. It's like, it's just, like I don't think anything. I don't put any more thought into it because it, you know, if we do that, we could get crazy. But I just, I, I found that interesting that you know the rabbit holes you can go down with some of this stuff is like, whoa, um, you know, so interesting. Uh, but I, I liked what they did with the Oompa Loompas. Uh, they, they crack me up. There's the one scene that I can, it, it runs through my head just rent free is the one that does the cartwheel that he gets about 45 degrees over. You know, he does like a cartwheel back, and it's it's like a half cartwheel. Something about that scene has been in my head for so many years, visually, <laughs> that I can't get over it. Um, but just I, the songs crack me up. The the just something about them are, are so funny. Uh, and Do maybe you, it, because I liked them so much, I dislike the 2005 so much well, more. I'm wondering if that's where Johnny Depp's hair came from, because I think he's got this weird Bob hairstyle. But but you know those Oompa Loompas from the 71 version, their hairstyle is just bizarre. I mean, not only, not <laughs> green only that, that orange paint. Yeah, well, they got the green, the like, curls, pigtails, and yeah, with things. They're all so, weird. <laughs> one of the things I read on this is that, uh, so the, the Oompa Loompas were a mix. They didn't have enough uh, small people in, in Germany where they were to fill this out, so they got some others from as close as they could. Uh, and none of them were credited, which is really sucked. But apparently these guys uh, spoke very little English, most of them. So they, on stage, they were kind of like, you know, half the time they're like, we don't know what the hell we're doing. We're just, you know, so you can see that I when they're singing. Yeah. 
But apparently they partied seriously hard, like hard <laughs> drinking, partying. And I was like, that is that is the coolest thing to learn about this whole thing is like, could you imagine those guys like, all right, uh, we're done for the day. And these guys just don't even get out of their Oompa Loompa office. They just go straight to the bar like that and just start partying. Like, oh, my God, that would be so much fucking fun. I'm hanging out for sure. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I'm there for sure. So, um, yeah, I have to um, – one thing uh, going back to talking about both of them I wanted to touch on as well was one thing I thought was cool about the 2005 is where we occasionally ripping on it. Um, <laughs> they brought layers back to it touching on how impoverished their situation was. So they're excited to get the ticket. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Charlie finally gets the ticket, and he's like, hey, we got to sell this. I was offered $500 for it. Like, this could be used to help us. Um, so it's like kind of relate, you know, bring them back together. I'm like, oh, the 2005 has its faults, but thinking of them collectively and bringing those things, I'm like, eh, it, was, it had its moments. So I thought that was really cool. They're like, no, like, you have to go to the factory. And then <laughs> Grandpa, uh, Grandpa George who had been like kind of a dick the the whole movie um i thought um but he's just like you know what like money comes and goes and everything right. but this is an opportunity and you should take advantage of it but money will always be there and it's kind of like his one moment of like mm, okay I'll, I'll settle down and this is a kid and you gotta be <laughs> you know i gotta be cool now so i thought yeah. that was i really like that aspect but charlie just kind of keeping his family in mind and then giving up the factory in the or the opportunity at first for the factory oh in the end. that was okay so that was cool in the end yeah when he offers him the in in the 2005 when he offers him and he's like well can my family come and he's like no and he's like yeah then i'm gonna have to say no that was a good moment the charlie from charlie and the chocolate factory incredible actor like i, I, I he was so so just you love the kid like i'm like I'm, i want to protect him and and he did such a good job and and so that was a really good part um and yeah and johnny depp in that part you you knew he was gonna say no because everything about him was creepy and he just very much a Michael Jackson vibe too. Like you know, Very. don't don't trust your kids with them. Like he's he's and his creepy ass leather or uh, pl plastic gloves. Like oh my, there's just so much about him that is so icky. It's it's yeah. so bad. Yeah, they called Actually, out the gloves in the book, but they weren't rubber. <laughs> they made them rubber. Latex, <laughs> latex. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask you too a question about the the ending of both movies? A, a preference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Willy Walk on the Chocolate Factory. Charlie takes the fizzy lifting drink, gets called out on it in the end. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Um, out. And it was kind of like a test. Later on, they go on the on the glass elevator. They take off happily ever after. After he proves himself, he puts the everlasting gobstopper back on the desk. Right. In 2005, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. He, after the oh, you're the last kid left. I guess you win. And then they go on the glass elevator. They go back to the house. Willy Wonka drops a huge hole in their poor house. Fuck literally, right. their poor house. And then it's like, oh, do you want do you want the factory? You can't bring your family, but you can have it. Oh no. Okay, let me just take off in this hole I just left in your yeah. in your poor ass house. <laughs> um, but then like later on, it's like he apparently he goes through some things. He comes back. I guess they brought the house to the factory and he inherited it and Willy Wonka also inherited a family so they both got something but between the two endings which two which ones do you two prefer well, which one did was it was the new one 2005 good, better good, was Steve. it eh. oh for me absolutely the Gene Wilder version just it 
as a child, it made such an impact on on me. The fact, right. you know, the the whiplash of of you know, and and that moment where the the, the where Charlie returns the gobstopper and and is is rewarded. It it kind of validated that desire to do good, and I thought that was so important. Now I will say though, mm. the the two thousand five version, the 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 you won the take off in the glass elevator the making a hole in the in the in the house that's all straight from the book that they didn't do anything like the the uh, slugworth scene with um at like they do the in the test. 71 version but the, but the whole but he welcomes the whole family in that the whole thing about the going off and having to um reconnect with his father before he realizes that you know it's right. okay to bring the family along long that that's made up for the 2005 version so but absolutely the the one from 71 resonated more from from my point of view as a child you know it it had a huge uh, impact so i'm going to i'm going to do it both as a child and as an adult the 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 Gene Wilder one, uh, Willie and the Wonka, uh, Chocolate Factory is so much better. <laughs> Willie and the Wonka Factory. <laughs> yeah, Will, <laughs> Willie Wonka. <laughs> well, it is a Wonka factory. It's Willie's Wonka factory. Um, no, it's so much better. It's so much better uh, because it actually teaches a lesson in the fact that you know, we we have that underlying theme that goes from it starts from the whispers to the kids of the the everlasting gobstopper. We get the scene in the middle where every kid got the gobstopper, even you know. Grandpa Joe, right? Well, what about Charlie? You know, you know Charlie's got to get his too, you know. So it all goes down to that, and and that blow up scene, fucking amazing, right? The Gene Wilder just, and apparently they didn't, you know. Steve talked about this. They didn't, they didn't uh, go through that earlier. So that's all off the cuff. So, you know, Charlie and 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 Grandpa Joe are like, they're literally getting that for the first time. Like this guy's fucking lost his shit. Like I think I think he's been on set too long. And his hair's all going wild and stuff. Yeah, and I mean it, it is so good. And I mean, not only that, but we got a great, great uh, 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 what's the word where uh, where he says I said good day, sir. Right? We get that come back in the '70s show. Fez uses that all the time. I use that all the time. I said good day, sir. You know, when when I'm done talking, like it's just one of those iconic things. That, and it, but it has a message, and it, it it's it it shows Charlie being that true, honest soul, right? Yeah, I could go sell you out, and I can I can take this gobstopper, but I he could have done gonna, that. That's true. Yeah. yeah, and and he just like he goes, no, I feel for you, man. Like I, I'm not gonna do that. Here's your gobstopper back, and so that has a resident that doesn't show up in the 2005 where. I hated all of the end of two. Uh, it just there was nothing about it I liked. You're the last guy, so you win. Okay, that means nothing. Oh, I destroy your house, and none of your family can go. Okay, the only the only good part about that was Charlie says, "Nah, I don't need your factory. Get out." You know, I'll patch this <laughs> hole myself. Um, and then the whole thing with him going back to his dad, the whole dentist thing. I I just didn't need any of that. Mm. Like, mm. I, I really it was didn't. Weird. Interestingly enough, so I, I noticed this is, and, and this has nothing to do with the book uh, necessarily, but Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is is more Charlie's story, right? It's it's more centered on Charlie essentially. If you if you watch the movie all the way through, there's there's I a agree. good ch- good chunk of it that is about Willy Wonka, but the majority of the story is about Charlie. Now, if you watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The majority of that movie is centric on Willy Wonka. Has very little to do with Charlie. So I was like, these guys got their damn names mixed up. <laughs> uh, 
It's but, true. Yeah. The way that the way that Johnny Depp plays it, he, he's very much trying to kind of over. Well, the way it's written and directed too. Eccentricities and just just stand out as as unusual, and that that's almost. But they write to... it that way too. We get more backstory about Willy Wonka and his his damn dentist dad, and you know him trick or treating <laughs> and all the crap that he goes. I mean, put some more time into Charlie. That's who we're here to see. You know. Mm. So I like too about the ending where you know you you two are touching on how it it kind of tests how genuine Charlie is. I, it was a good point that you guys said about you know hey I could run off with this gobstopper and make what was it ten thousand whatever <laughs> Slugworth had ten thousand of these he could have run off and got those but like dude just yell pull because Wonka pulled out all the receipts. Yeah. Um, you took this much of fizzy lifting drink. It, it's gonna. This is how it impacts the roof. We need it cleaned. Um, you know, he's stolen property. All of this stuff. But I think that's really cool. You guys tie that together. You know, like it's really checking on his how genuine he is. And well, it was that test the whole out. time. So mm -hmm. someone else brought this up though. Is 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 it really Charlie is the good guy? Did the other kids ever get the chance to turn back in their gobstopper? You know, because I mean. Well, Augustus Goop never got his chance. He got sucked up before they even got there, right? The other four, the other, or the other three got theirs. But, you know, one's in the trash bin, one's a blueberry, and, and Mike <laughs> got stretched. So did they ever get the chance to go through it? No, but, I mean, would they have? So it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a weird test, a weird flex in a way for them to even do that. But Well, the question would be, is it just fully, like, gobstopper or not? Um, yeah. is that or is it all together how you comport yourself True. amongst people because yeah. I, I think it was in Willy Wonka they're talking about like in the end he's like I need someone to run my factory I need someone that's kind I need someone that's this and if you just at first sight you're in the chocolate river yeah. just filling your stomach up it's like hey stop doing that and then you <laughs> fall in and you know then it's like all right no stop come back yeah me, whatever he says like it just completely doesn't yeah. care anymore oh, but these kids are just going off the rails and not listening yeah it's like all right i don't want any of these so i think it goes both ways gobstop or not yeah they weren't given the chance but i don't know i'd be curious to see if like they threw it in their pocket and then what they do when they get out but that was the other thing it kind of leads to another question i wanted to ask was slugworth worked for wonka the whole time spoiler alert so it's like that would be the test if when they get out, maybe some yeah. type of a sequel. You know, you see Slugworth roaming around and <laughs> handsome the uh, the gobstopper, and we're like, okay, cool, like you're out. But it doesn't mean anything at that point yeah. because you weren't even going to inherit it. But the one thing, the other thing I wanted to ask, speaking of Slugworth, was he was referenced slightly in 2005 of like, oh, he kind of started everything, and then we had to shut the factory down. Not really talked about after that. Willy Wonka, he was a in each scene, each time a kid got a ticket. So in is removing the element that he brought to Willy Wonka, does that change the movies in any way? Um, did it make a difference of 2005, him not being there or I, what do you guys think? I think it was a really good addition for the 71 movie just because it created a, it added more complexity to the story. Whereas the 2005 version is is straight from the book. You know, you get you see him at that one moment, and that's that's how it how it's written in the book too. So, um, all that was pretty much made up for the 71. But 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 it it worked. It it created an element of 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 danger and risk and reward that he was tempted with. And um, so I I I'm satisfied with it. Uh, I like the addition. It, give, it gives the story more of, of a grounding in the fact that 
uh, why would Willy Wonka only pull five children, right? Uh, was the test just to get through the fact? I mean, we, we find out at the end of this is it's all a test to find his heir, right? So this is just adding to that that test where in the 2005, it's like, can you just get through my house of fucking candy whores without dying? <laughs> you know, uh, this one, it, it literally, the, the test is, is that can can you be trustworthy and can you be that imaginative kid? And, and, and so I think it adds to it. And, and maybe this is why Dahl was so mad is that he realized that they improved his book so much um, <laughs> that, you know, he, he felt slighted. And so because it, it is it, I think. I think if you take this out of the 71 movie, it's a less movie because it doesn't add that it doesn't add that ending to it, that strength of Charlie turning back in the the gobstopper, right? It doesn't let him get his his uh I'm 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 not that bad kid. I'm not this, you know, it, it, you lose all that if you take that out. So I think I think it's a huge part of the the story. Mhm. So Yeah, and I thought and that, like you guys said, I think it brought in an extra layer of like, okay, so it kind of leaves something to the imagination of what if the kids do leave and then they do give them the gobstopper and right. um, you know, kind of giving the kids an ins- it it adds extra oomph to the movie of like, hey, if you guys go in and you get a gobstopper and you get it back to me, then I'll I'll, I'll hook it up. And so yeah. you kind of are kind of curious what these kids are going to do now, now that they're in there. So See, I, 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 I think pictures, it added a lot to it. I picture a sequel like, you know, Mike Mike TV comes up, he's got a trench coat on, he opens it up to Slugworth, he's got just, you know, a gobstopper <laughs> hanging. It's like, I got your gobstopper. <laughs> and he closes it up. <laughs> you, you know, they've got a, a prequel coming out next year. Yeah. Wonka with uh, T- Timothy Chalamet playing like a younger Willy Wonka and it's supposed to be tied to the book not not either of these movies uh, so ah, I don't know how I feel about that I it's like know. a best to come out with the gla- great glass elevator I don't know if I need a prequel <laughs> but. yeah, yeah. Unless, unless they go the, the direction of My Uncle Oswald which is the 1975 1979 book that uh, that Dald Road that talks about the uh, the, the juiced uh, snozberries uh, yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah. you found it! You yeah. found the book. Yeah, my uncle Oswald. That was all legitimate. So, oh my is god, the book because that's your uncle, your actual uncle. No, it's called. That, that's the book. The title of the book that he wrote book that talks book. about the juice and the snozberry was was called My Uncle Oswald. He wrote it in 1979. <laughs> so, oh my god, that's so awesome. That's so good. Yeah, I'm looking for that on Audible later. Um, so, uh, one of the things. Um, Oh, I forgot. I forgot what I was going to talk about now. Um, <laughs> one of the things I wanted to ask you guys is: is if you were one of the kids on on this tour, right, and you get you get opened up to that that first room, the the room of everything's edible. What are you going after first? <laughs> oh, the gummy bears that are dropping. Yeah, one hundred percent. Gummy or gummy bears? Got probably. I'd probably dig the ground to see if there were gummy worms. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'd probably dig for that. I'd probably get a cup out of the river for some chocolate milk. And yeah, but yeah, I think those are the two ones I would first go for. And nice. see if there's any Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> Find it's out a, the it's nerd- a chocolate factory and I'm naming all these fruit flavored. Yeah. Most of that stuff was in there was fruit based, though, you know, other than the chocolate river. Yeah. What about you, Steve? I, I like the river. I like the idea of, yeah, I'd probably not stick my hands in it. I, I, well, I might try unless I was told otherwise. But if he told me, no, you can't do that, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, totally ashamed of myself. Um, <laughs> I liked the whipped cream. 
Um, I probably uh, the marshmallow. I, I probably wouldn't believe him that everything was edible, so I'd be on the hunt for something that wasn't edible, so I could call <laughs> him out on it. <laughs> so, just to that note, there was some uh, unedible things in there. Apparently, uh, one of the things uh, I think it was uh, Veruca Salt. She's the one that smashes the big uh, kind of a uh, gobstopper jawbreaker with the rock. Apparently, that oh. rock was we- real, and when she threw it down on the ground, she kind of s- smashed her knee on it. And so if you look in the scene there uh, like she's got she actually has a scar on her knee from that where where it actually cut oh, her wow. and that scar lasted for for a long long time. So <laughs> yeah. Uh there it was kind of interesting. Uh, it was one of the things I looked at. Uh for me, yeah, I would be I'm I'm a very much I'm into the 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 soury type candy. So gummy bears, uh anything kind of like a uh if nerds were around, I'd be hitting nerds, lemon head type things, I'd be all over that. So yeah, I'd be attacking those kind of plants for sure. I'd probably uh, be chucking the banana runts into yeah. the trash can. Those are Oh my god. I did come to the factory to eat ass. Um so those could go in the trash. Yeah, you're so right. Um so one of the things I learned too is uh, the Chocolate River. Uh, they actually tried to uh, color that with actual cocoa, like they used a, a, a cocoa color, but it came out really red. So then they added some cream to it, and and to get the color they got. The problem was is after a couple of days that cream started to curdle and, ooh, and ooh. Uh, sour. <laughs> so apparently it had this horrendous odor from souring oh. milk and so uh the the actor that played augustus was asked a couple years afterwards and stuff like that he's like what did, what did you think of the chocolate river he's, he's like we called it the stinky water <laughs> so now when you go back and look at that scene where he's like drinking that water you're like you got to think oh my god is that when it's fucking rancid and you're like oh my god so so bad uh crazy um there, there's uh, some other cool stuff in this. Um, what, what do you think would be a room that would be your downfall if, if there was something in this candy factory that was specifically targeted to you to uh, to test you? Which, what would it be? That's a good one. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm not the best swimmer, so if <laughs> if uh, something at the boat capsized or if I were to be one that's like, oh, I need to get in this. If I slipped into the river yeah. and knowing and seeing how Willy Wonka like reacted to that, I'm out. I'm already gotcha. gone. Um, so I probably don't even make it. it the, by the time the Oompa Loompas finish their song, I'm probably floating <laughs> with my back up. So um, <laughs> got it. I'm out. So no Olympic swimming for you. No, I'm out. <laughs> I would have been most tempted by uh, the same thing Mike TV was tempted by. I mean, that's, that's oh. I got so drawn to filmmaking when I was a kid that uh, that stuff was just so enticing. So I don't know if I would have been quite as uh, rambunctious as he was. I was I was pretty uh, I was I was pretty uh, tame as a kid, but uh, but that would have been place where I would have just been like so enamored and yeah uh looking over shoulders and trying to get my hands on something I probably shouldn't have got you know should yeah I, maybe trying to, to add like a technicality the too yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I feel like if I, if I were walking around still under the guise like anything is edible and he left one of those gums laying on the table yeah. I would go for gum like oh okay cool and then I'm a blue black guy, <laughs> uh, floating around so nice. that would be kind of that would suck but yeah. I think the river if I slipped into it yeah <laughs> for me it would be that invention area I I would be the one that's tasting all the different things I probably get my teeth blown out with the exploding toffee 
coffees or something <laughs> like that. Uh, or if he had a, a room with sour balls or, or you know, uh, sour, you know, gummies or something like that, I, I would definitely have a hard time resisting. That's, that's my, my crux with candies. I, Mike and Ike's, I can't resist those. I know they're not Wonka's, but uh, those, are, those are things for me, so... Uh, this is this is taking a, a a left turn for a moment, but I I gotta <laughs> say there the moment one of the most gorgeous shots to me is when he's standing at that little door and he, you know does the little Rachmaninoff uh, oh, yeah. uh, thing <laughs> and they open the door and they're all squatted and then it cuts to the to the reverse shot on the outside of the door and it opens and they're all small the the way they pulled that off there's no effects or anything it's just it's is just, that what happens they're supposed to have shrunk no well it's just it's just they they go in through a little door and it opens up and it's a big door and i've always been so fascinated it just it's like what happened there it just it was just a cut but just the mm-hmm. way they get that across in a film you can't get that across in a book you can't get that across in so many different mediums but but in a film they don't use any special effects but it's so effective the way it was done. I just got to call that out as a genius editing thing. It's just, there's there's no trick to it. It's just a little door and then you cut to the reverse shot and it's a big door and they're all, you know, I love that when they walk into the, to yeah. me that that created the awe just, you know, that's when they walk in in awe because because mm-hmm. the, the uh, everything is all made of, made of edible, eatable things. Um, Everything's edible. Um, but uh, the way they do that, so simple and so effective to me. So. Well, that was one of the things he kept. Uh, he said it twice in there. It was like so, oh, so little things, so much time. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. So much that. time, so little see. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. Reverse that. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty funny. Um, that was one of the cool things about Wonka in this is that you know he, the way he spoke and the way the mannerisms that he had. He was so so fun. Uh, Gene Wilder killed this. Uh, I was a huge Gene Wilder fan as a kid. I, I remember watching Stir Crazy a lot as a kid. Um, some of the other Blazing Saddles, um, Silver Streak, uh, things, uh, Young Frankenstein. These were things that I remember coming back home from school and they were just on regular TV and watching them, you know, and just Gene Wilder and, and Richard Pryor movies to me, uh, the, the see no evil here, or, uh, see no evil here, no evil. Yeah. I think that's it here. No evil. The, Watching those, I, I mean, I would watch them over and over because those two guys had me laughing so much as a kid. And I don't know if it was because of this movie or just because of him in general. I just enjoyed him as an actor. But he brought so much to this character. It was, it was so good. Um, I want to talk about the boat real quick, right, in in the boat oh, ride. We haven't really talked you, yeah. about <laughs> So we get the Chocolate River, the boat. Yeah, uh, one thing, that, and this is one of the things that people bring up too. If you notice throughout the movie, Every time they go to another vehicle that, that's carrying them, it only has enough seats for the children that are left. So the boat only had seats for four, uh, four, four pairs. So the, he already knew someone wasn't coming out, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, another cool, and this is, this is a behind-the-scenes thing. So the, 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 the Oompa Loompa character that was steering the boat didn't know that the boat was on tracks and actually thought he was steering it, and they never told him. Just yeah. so it'd be realistic, and I was like, "That's fucking hilarious." <laughs> um, the other was is that uh, the the scene where Gene Wilder is is reciting the the crazy poem, like the you know, I I wish I could say the words because it's it's ridiculous. No one told the other actors that he was going to do this, and and some of them actually got seriously freaked out. 
because he puts there are so genuine much... reactions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like which is so crazy. It's so good, and I love how it, it's it's going and it's going and going faster and faster, and then it's just like, oop, we're here. It's just total stop, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And so, um, and I know you two are really into scary movies. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm not. <laughs> you're oh, you're not. So I know. Okay, I Steve am. is for sure. <laughs> uh, but it's funny because I, I, I don't get scared by really scary movies. Don't necessarily phase me. So it's interesting. I'm watching this movie as like an eight year old, a nine year old, ten year old, and so on and so forth. And it's not till, you know, we get the internet, we can start reading things and stuff. And <laughs> it's like that scene is, that boat scene is in like some people's like top scary moments of non-scary yeah. movies. And I, I just never really considered that. I remember a couple of years ago I was watching the movie. I'm like, oh, this chicken's head just got cut off. <laughs> and oh, there's like a, I think it was like a crab or something. Uh, at centipede. Centipede. Nice. There's a centipede, and then there's something towards the end of like its mouth being kind of weird. And I was like, yeah, this is a bunch of random stuff and all the colors, and it's dark, and Wonka's kind of going off and everything. And I never really draw that as like a scary scene. It was just kind of a, I, I don't I think understand it, it. I think it has an impact. And as a child, though, you don't necessarily think of it as scary. And I think Gene Wilder even mentioned it in an interview, interview where he said, he, he someone brought up about this scene. He's like, yeah. He says, kids kids have come up and it doesn't bother them. It's the parents that kind of projected <laughs> that and said, oh, this is a scary scene. And so it, it's like they kind of led them down that path. But for children, they're not necessarily scared by it. It's just more like an intense moment, but, but not yeah, something we're necessarily scared I would agree, and frightened of. I would agree intense. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I was scared. Um, I'm not big on scary movies. I'm much, I'm much like Sam, not as bad as, as she is, but uh, uh, close. Um, okay. but I, it's one of those things I enjoy the scare when it's done, but while I'm in it, I, I'm definitely like screaming and, and running kind of thing. But this one, so you never mentioned you watched that as a kid. How did you feel when you first saw that scene? If you remember, it didn't phase me, uh, like I, it didn't seem scary at that time. And maybe it was because I was so into the fantastical of it. Um, you know, and I, I didn't, I, maybe I didn't see the chicken's head get cut off and I'm not bugged by yeah. frogs and, and millipedes. Now, if they had a snake on there, I might've been a little bit more bugged, but that's just a personal phobia. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, it, when they, when they didn't have that, it didn't bug me. Um, I was more intrigued by him and how calm he stayed and his, his just mannerisms and the way he was talking and singing, I guess is is kind of what it was so i think i was more geared into that kind of like oh what's going on it, it kind of felt like a roller coaster to me it's yes it's, it's for me it was more hypnotic it was like you were drawn yeah. to, I mean, maybe it was the way that gene wilder just was was you know the colors flashing and, too you know had that that look on his face but everything was just very calm uh the way you know and it, 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 you were just drawn towards the way he yeah. he he went about his thing it didn't even come across necessarily as weird because as a child you don't know necessarily what to relate it to this whole world is fantasy that you've you've found yourself in and and it's just getting weirder and weirder but weird isn't the right word it's just it's just things are happening <laughs> that, that affect you you know, so I like how you guys are saying like it's fantastical it's hypnotic and Willy Wonka is just he's he's guiding you through the whole thing and he's caught yeah kind of he it focuses on him and you're kind of watching that and i think that's i think that's why growing up i never noticed all the background stuff because i'm just focused on him and what he's saying because it yeah like <laughs> you guys like it is fantastical it is hypnotic it's everything it's a lot going on and this is where i think the the 2005 version 
failed a little bit in that in the Willy Wonka character, he wasn't he didn't feel like a guide. He didn't feel like someone you could tr- tr- I trust is the wrong word. Yes, I be all of that. There. But all uh, of but, that. <laughs> but uh, he he wasn't he wasn't like a father figure. Someone you were you were focused on. Instead, he came across. Maybe this is just as an adult seeing him. He came across as as someone that had his own troubles that he was hiding from, and so you weren't quite as uh, trusting. He came across he as as uh, stranger danger, creepy. Uh, you know, uh, just so much wrong with him, like. That, that he didn't you're right he didn't come across as someone that you could trust in any way possible like I, it's weird using that word trust though because that's exactly what gene wilder was trying to uh turn on his head well but uh, it, but he if you do if you do look at it though he does have a i don't, I don't want to call it a father figure but a trustworthy um presence about him he's where got a presence he, a magnetism a str- someone something that a, draws a strong a strong uh personality uh, that represents, you know, it, in a way like, follow me, I know where I'm going, kind of thing. Yeah. Right. You it's, know, it's it's like, as we go like into that kind of the detail, like you, know, whenever <laughs> I can't speak for you guys, but like for me, like watching a movie, I, I see, especially favorite movies, you kind of see parallels to your life a little bit, whether if it's people you know or how you do. And so one of the things I noticed as we're talking about Willy Wonka right now is like he kind of embodies a way I kind of try to present myself. So if there's ever a situation, I try to stay as cool, calm, and collected as I can. And so as you're watching Willy Wonka throughout the movie, each time these kids, they fall in the river, they go down the chute, he's just kind of like, he he knows exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Parents freaking out, but he's just like, mm, we'll see. But he knows I, well, they'll be fine. I'm sure in his head he's saying they'll be fine. But also, too, he, I feel like in the way that maybe the parents look at him, they may feel like he's oblivious, he's unaware of everything happening. But then as you go to that last scene where he's ripping into Charlie and bringing out all these receipts, he's very calculated and he's super aware of everything that's happening. He's he's taking notes of everything going on and willing to throw it back in your face at the end. <laughs> so I feel like there's this kind of cool calm about him, like, mm, it's fine. And it ends up being fine at the end of the day. So it's yeah. kind of cool that, you know, made me realize all of that. Really I like cool. you say calculated. He does seem like he's in control in the 71 version. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. He's in control the entire time where, you know, as you're kind of saying about the 2005 Willy Wonka, he just seems kind of like, un- it's hard to say. It's like an insecure, unsure kind of thing. Like he's also, so he's calculated in his own character. But then at the same time, it's like, oh, like when you get him thinking on something in the past, he's like, it's like a weak point for him in a way. Like he starts to think back to his father and it brings up memories for him that you almost feel like he's trying to just shove under the rug. He remembered his favorite chocolate, but he actually didn't say what it was. And it's like, maybe you you didn't want to appear vulnerable. You didn't want to appear sensitive. So you're trying to put on this mask and be that. Where in the 71, he didn't have to show anything. He was kind of an open book, but he would go, oh, is this like Mr. Salt being like, is this a fun house? And he's like, all right, you having fun? Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like, don't worry about it, dude. I'm not worried about you. We're going to keep going. So I like that. It's funny you talk about staying in control. Uh, I just went through a first aid class, and one of the things they talk about, like first responders and stuff like that, uh, the, the remaining calm in, in uh, chaotic situations mm-hmm. uh, keeps everybody else calm because it gives you a place to center, and that's exactly what he is. He's, he's that, right. that place of center where, you know, you said, yeah, 
he knows what's going to go on. And yes, it may seem like it's dramatic and all this, but it's not. And he knows that. So he's not freaking out and, and emulating that. I, I agree with you. I do that. I try to do that in situations where, where, you know, you, where things could go haywire if you can keep your head cool and stuff, it, it definitely helps. And so, yeah, that's, it's a, that's it's a great, great take from it. It's very much, you know, I mentioned he's like a father figure, the Gene Wilder, uh, and, and that, that's true because he's in control, he's calm, and as a child, you're drawn to that. You want that, someone that's going to take you through this, you know, you don't know what to make of this whole world, but, but you, can, you, can, you still have someone that, that you feel is in control, even though you can't necessarily trust him because, you know, he's going to play a trick on you, but you know that he's in control and, and that's important. We seek mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of a, I actually thought of a story like with my mom, I remember. Um, I remember we're in the house and I was eating chips. I was eating chips, I was eating chips. And I swallowed it and it got lodged in my throat and it was super sharp. Oh. I started freaking out. And I remember she, like she, I think we had a friend over and the friend was leaving. So my mom was in the doorway and like, I come over crying. I'm like, mom, I have some in my throat. And like, my mom's just like super calm. And she's like, Brandon, go take a drink of water. And I'm like still feeling like, mom, it's in my throat. And I can't, Brandon, go take a drink of water. And so I go and I, try to like put it out of my mind i go to the sink i get water the chip's gone and so then i come you know my mom kind of just continues on doing with what she's doing and it reminds me of as we're talking about this conversation with willie wonka just like this control chaos i've been here i know this there's nothing that can really nothing surprises me anymore and i have i may have the answers for it augustus gloop fell into the river he's gonna get stuck in the chute he's gonna get out and he'll there's plenty of time before the boiler turns on so it reminds me of you know juxtaposing those two together of I've been down the block I understand you'll be fine that's that's funny that you brought that up our our parents we look to them for that Uh, I had a very similar situation with my father where uh, I was out front playing with my buddy we had built a uh, rope swing and uh, our dumbasses weren't doing it the right way we we would (laughs) hang on to it uh, with our hands instead of sitting on it and the other person would take the other end of the rope and run as far as as fast as they could and it would snap and you'd go flipping off well, mm. my dumbass flipped off and landed on my head on the concrete, uh, the sidewalk part, uh, uh, right next to the car where my dad happened to be working on. And I sat up laughing at first and then put my hand on my head where it hurt and I pulled it down and my hand was just red, just covered mm. red. And so I screamed like a banshee, like, because I thought, you know, I'd broken my head completely wide open. My dad calmly walks around the side of the car and goes, you'll be all right, just stop your yelling like literally like looking right at me and I'm, I'm you know I'm thinking my half my head's gone because I just smashed it on the sidewalk and my hands covered in blood and he literally just looks at me and he's like settle down you'll be fine and and it turned out yeah it was just a small cut on the top of my head I think I ended up getting a stitch or two or something like that but it literally was one of those as I was ready to freak out and but he mm. was just totally <laughs> he didn't even rush like literally came strolling around the like, corner like you know it was like Sunday going to church kind of no no speed at all <laughs> just and I was like so but yeah our parents have that and and he had that my wife before she was a teacher she did a lot of stuff on the playground where she would watch kids during during recess and 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 she had this method when you know because kids would be doing crazy stuff and they'd fall down and they they'd fall down and they typically would look up at the adult to see how yep. to respond and if the, if the adult was like oh my gosh are you okay they would you know you respond as such oh with their tears and stuff like that but you know her method was like was, was more like you know Wow, that looked like it hurt. Get up, how you do? You know, basically just kind of being calm and and we're moving on and and it 
yeah, they, they, they tend to look towards the, the adult figure on how to respond. And if the, the person who's the adult in the room is, is chill, no problem. Yeah. And they move on and they just get on with their, their playtime on the recess. Yeah. Well, I know, I know Steve's probably gone this with our own kids. It's one of those things. Yeah. When your kids fall and they look right to you, like, Oh, <laughs> you reacting? I'm going to cry. And you'd be like, no, you're not. Cause I'm not reacting. Get your butt up and rub some dirt on it. You're right. So yeah, no, it is. Uh, my wife texted me what, cause she's listening to, uh, our, my side of this podcast. So one third of it, uh, she wanted to remind me to, uh, to mention that how creepy all, Almost all the rest of the men in this movie are, are most of the men, especially the Candyman. That how creepy in this day and age that that, that Candyman, as he's singing his song and staring into the eyes of these children, is just sugaring them up, you know, for no money. Like, just how creepy it is. Like, we were watching this, and she's like, God, this guy is creepy. <laughs> I think if I were going home after delivering papers and it was kind of late, and this guy just rolls yeah. up tools and starts talking nobody ever comes in <laughs> nobody ever comes out and like i it's like i didn't ask you for anything but okay like, I'm gonna go all right so that would be super weird because it's out of context there's no so many people were creeped out about the guy the 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 guy in front of the factory um but in the i believe it's in the 1971 when they talk about it he is what they call a tinker Right. Okay. And these and these were actual people who would roll around with uh, knives and kitchen utensils hanging from carts. And they would go door to door and ask people if they needed them to repair their pots and pans and stuff like this. So this was a legitimate profession. Um, I don't know how long it went to, but I mean, like that literally. And I was I was amazed at how many people didn't know that. Like they just thought this guy, some creepy guy with a cart full of knives. Like, I'm, I'm like, yeah, in, in a normal context, that is kind of creepy. But when you realize what he was, he is a tinker, and his job was to roll around, go in house to house, and, and, and literally going, hey, do you have some pots I can mend, or do you need a knife sharpened, or do you need a new knife, Wait, and stuff like that. So when was this? Because I don't remember this from growing up. This is <laughs> It's right in, like, the first five, ten minutes. No, no, I mean, I don't remember. I don't oh, remember. I, oh, I, I never saw a tinker. Run. I never had anyone come up to my, uh, my I never had said, a tinker. Hey, I, I never had a tinker. Your, your pot. <laughs> I never had a tinker at my house, but I lived in Sacramento. It was a, a much bigger, uh, you know, metropolitan area. But no, in, in, in small towns and stuff like that, especially in, in Europe and Germany and stuff like that, that was that was legitly But, uh, but you said you, you, were, you were surprised that people hadn't heard of this. And, oh, and I, so I, well, maybe it's because I, I was surprised because I knew what it was and, and how many people oh. didn't know and, and how many people were freaked out. I mean, almost 99% of the people that were listening in the podcast I listened to, all of them were said how creepy that guy was. Like, yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> it off as like, because I mean, as a kid, I have no idea. I'm not going right. to know any professions anyways. But I was like, well, clearly, to me, it was like, this seems like it's taking place somewhere not. I guess yeah. Not, as an adult, not in America, but as a kid, it's like, well, it's nowhere I've ever been. Right, know? yeah. With the accents, I'm like, well, maybe this is typical for another country. Yeah. For the time, too. Like, I don't, yeah. I can't say the last time I've seen a cobbler. Um, so <laughs> like, I was like, this is taking place in like the, with the 60s or so. Like, I was like, okay, yeah. like, that's just something that we don't see anymore. So, yeah, cobblers went out of business because they couldn't figure out how to repair uh, Jordans. Uh, that was the downfall oh. of the cobbler. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that one off. No, I, I just thought I thought it was funny. It just, and maybe it was because I knew what a tinker was. And, and they even mentioned that he, because he, he said something the tinker told me uh, that nobody goes oh. in and nobody goes out. 
And so it just, I, I don't know if it's because I know what a tinker is that it, it resonated with me. And, and I was just surprised at how many people didn't know that. And I was, but I get where it'd be creepy because yeah, he's staring at this, this building in a kind of dusky setting. And this guy comes over with this ominous statement and he's like, okay. And you know, yeah, he has a cart with a big butcher or a, a big cleaver hanging right next to him. You're like, yeah. The cleaver. Yeah. yeah. I think the next weirdest one would be if I were on my way home, I'm excited. I just got this ticket. I need to tell my family. And then like, yeah on you and stops you and it's like oh hey by the way how did you even know i got this ticket yeah by the way, where'd you come from but the thing too that was weird is that no one else took like if i were charlie and i'm paying attention to what's going on he was like hey i saw you on tv yeah uh, now you're <laughs> here so how did you know to be here how did you know i got the ticket unless there was some behind the scenes things of like you know where all the tickets are so that is M slowly. So we know this one's going to be released at this time somewhere. So hang out in this area. When that one gets collected, we'll send out the next one. So maybe <laughs> there's that. But even still, I, I saw a great, great YouTube video on this where this guy was talking about that and talking about Slug uh, worth it uh, specifically because he shows up in 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 Germany uh right for the the media thing and right he's he's in that group and right away but he's on the floor when Veruca Salt uh when the worker finds it if you actually look in the movie he hands the box of chocolates to that line of women um that start shelling him and and before you know she's even going up the stairs he's talking to her so he was there he knew that ticket was there that's um, interesting. So I remember the scene where, like, because I, I just I noticed that earlier, where like he's carrying the box, yeah, right? together that he carried the box with the ticket yep. to the person that ended up finding it. That's interesting. Okay. Um, and then uh, so then he's a media person for Violet, or not a media person. Mike TV. Mike TV. Yeah, he's one of the one of the media guys on the couch. So uh, and then with Violet, he's right there too. Those ones, the, the the first and the third, fourth could have been planned because they, they have these media days, but he, he was still close. But with Charlie, nobody, there was no media. He just found that ticket and was on his way home So and, and with uh, Veruca. So he had some hand in who was getting these these tickets for sure. It, it's mm -hmm. funny because we're trying to ground in reality, you know, how <laughs> Slugworth knew where they were. And we got to realize that this, you know, the author the original author and the movie kind of enjoyed the absurdity of it all too. I mean, this is kind of right. a, a twisted morality tale. You can't necessarily say we have to ground how this happened. We have to make this make sense of this because a lot of things happen that don't make sense. And, and you still oh, for sure. <laughs> it out. Wow. Well, let, let's listen. There's one guy that we haven't really talked about. That was a, a hilarious part of this movie. And it's something I forgot about until watching it again. And I just saw it scroll across. So I got IMDb up with it. The teacher, right? Ah. Charlie's teacher. Cancels classes. Canceled. Guy, class yeah. Classes uncancelled. Classes re recancelled. <laughs> yeah. Such a he. So you know, we talk about that first half of the movie, and and this is one of the scenes. And we talked about the lady with the box of chocolate for her husband, and the different things, the different uh, news breaks about the the uh, Wonka mania taking over the world. It reminded me of Monty Python. <laughs> there was a lot of it. And, and this teacher was straight out of a Monty Python skit. Like he, he even had the English accent kind of, he just reminded me of that. You know, we get the, like how many, you know, he's teaching a math. How many bars did you buy? A hundred. And he's like, okay, how many, 150. How many did you buy? Two. 
What? Oh, 200. Oh, 200. No, two. He's like, I can't even figure that out. <laughs> like, what kind of math teacher are you? <laughs> uh, but just just a funny, like, uh, just a side note that got us in that first 45 minutes. There's so much that, like I said, I didn't remember as a kid because I think I was so fascinated with the, the candy factory and all that that I, I forgot a lot of this other stuff. Um, but as an adult, I think, like I said, I think this is two movies. That first 45, uh, most of that's for the adults, and then there's there's some good one-liners if you if you watch for them and catch them in in the in the factory. And the the second half, the factory, is for the kids mostly. You know, the imagination. Matter of fact, it brings up. Uh, <laughs> I have a, a distinct memory from when I was in. I think it was third grade. Uh, we had an assignment to uh, design a machine, right? <laughs> to to build something. And so I had this elaborate, you know, we got the, the 11 by 17 paper and, and, and the 64 box of crayons and it was go crazy. And so I had made a machine that makes all the best candy. And it was, it was right out of this kind of movie. It was like, literally, you know, I had gumballs coming out here and chocolate bars here and, you know, sour over here. It just, but it, I, I remember distinctly, you know, the one time probably in elementary school that I was excited to do homework was was to design my candy machine <laughs> i think it's it's right from this this movie for sure hmm. um one of the kind of another question i have too is how do you two feel about musicals that's one of the big th- i actually <laughs> I really like musicals um and so i i really liked that element in the first one so aside from the oompa loompa songs i do like the other songs of the movie i'm you? a huge fan of rogers the musical um so that that's that. <laughs> the mcu musical no um i uh i don't i don't i'm not a big musical i'm like i'm like going, not going out my way but uh, th- this was a very enjoyable one i don't think any of the songs were like other than the uh the cheer up charlie cheer up charlie is pretty horrible um the rest of them were pretty good like the music man creepy creepy scene with the 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 candy man but uh it's a good song it's a fun song uh the imagination um iconic so good like i i remember my soul lifting when when it came on i was like oh my god i feel better just listening to this song it was so good the oompa loompa songs uh my wife was laughing at me because i literally was like word for word like i hadn't seen this it probably at least in 10 years and i knew every word word for word mm-hmm. we did we did have the subtitles on so it helped a little bit but they were coming back way before the words were even up some on, on some <laughs> of them so uh i really like that aspect of this i think it it helped now in the 2005, I hated the songs. I I could not stand the Oompa Loompa songs. They they were very uh, I don't busy. They weren't enjoyable. I just I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was almost like they were reverse engineered. The, the task was, hey, we've got these lyrics from the original book. Let's turn them into songs. And that's not a that's not how you write. That's not how you write music. You you've got to it's it's yeah it's a, it's a different process. What they talk about it in 101 Dalmatians, you know, uh, music first, then the then the lyrics, you know, then the melody, yeah. or, you know. So, um, so I don't think it's an easy task to try to create songs out of something that's already written in kind of this this format that's really stiff. Um, the, <laughs> the way the lyrics are written out is kind of like a, a straightforward four stanza poem. You know, I, uh, it's tough. Um, I, I enjoy musicals. I think, I think they're fun <laughs> to, uh, to explore in, in more of an absurd fashion, like, like they've done more recently with things like Enchanted and, and 
100 days, what is it? Uh, 100 Days of Summer, which isn't, which has, is that the right title? 100 Days of Summer? Uh, I don't know that one. Not sure. But it, but it, where they have kind of these absurd moments in the middle of the, the in the middle of the movie where they break out into song and dance and it <laughs> kind of fits into this uh, to this odd moment in, in it. Um, so I think it can be used. Well, I don't think that they make them anymore. I mean, unless you go to to Broadway and watch a musical on on stage. Well, there there's been some recent stuff. There was a uh, a TV series not too long ago. Um, Zoe's incredible pay- playlist or something like that. It was kind of like a a not not necessarily a sitcom but a, a weekly hour show that kind of was a musical uh based that we watched. It was it was fun. Um this kind of musical uh brings back memories of stuff like Grease, which was, you know, that was a fun fun musical to watch. Um I remember as a kid uh seeing Annie um not only in the movies but um actually on stage and seriously enjoying that. But bo- so, in both of those instances it started on the stage, didn't it? I think. I'm sure Grease did and, and Annie. So it's rare to see Grease, a movie. I thought Grease started in the movie. I don't think it started on the stage, did it? I huh, hmm. I think That's a good start- question. But I mean, I mean, those those were those were a lot of fun and stuff like that. Uh, I do remember once uh, we were at uh, California Adventure and they have the the Disney Theater there, and we saw uh, an Aladdin um, production and it was a musical on stage and it was a lot of fun. So yeah, Grease think- is based off the 1971 stage production musical. So uh, it actually really? came out. Yeah, it was the early 70s. I guess that's when they were making all these music musical things. Um, Interesting. Hmm. I would have never saw that as a play first. It seems more of a movie first kind of thing, but yeah. But I think we would. I think we would have had to have been there. Um, true. I true. Think we would have had to have been there. So but, that's, but, I, I agree with you, though. I was like, I, I don't know if I'd. Hmm. <laughs> I, I don't I, know if I've ever seen the movie. I'd want to go see the. Play. I don't know. I like Grease though, so I don't. Yeah. Know. Um. So I enjoyed it. Matter of fact, I I think that brought a lot to it. Like, if this didn't have the the songs in it, the Candyman, um, the Imagination song. Um, I think I think it would have been a less of a movie. I think those brought a huge part to it. They, specifically, the Imagination song it brings you closer to uh, Willy Wonka in an enjoyment factory. Like I think it just it shows him almost as a kid in an adult's body, and, and you know that everything about him is that imagination and, I and think, stuff like that. I think the songs have a way of kind of making you feel well, putting you. There's so much. Well, it, it, it like tells you how to feel about a scene because <laughs> they're so unusual. And yet then you hear a song and it's like, oh, and that kind of carries you into an emotion that seems to be uh, seems to be more satisfying when because sometimes you go through these scenes and you don't know how to feel. But if but songs have this way <laughs> of of, True. of taking you down an emotional path, you know, and I think in this movie, it does that as successfully. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, one of the other things I, w- I wanted to point out that uh, if you would have paid attention early into this movie, like when the when the kids all first show up, you would have realized that Charlie was going to win no matter what, even if he wasn't, um, because Willy Wonka is trying to to clone himself in a little kid, and they both have that wild hair, <laughs> right? Their hair is both just crazy wild. It's, uh, a picture scrolled by, and it's got uh, Charlie with the hat on it, and his hair's flying out just like <laughs> what, um, what is Gene it that, Wilder's was. What is it that Gene Wilder says at the end? He says he says about Charlie is like I wanted to bring a child because a child is the only one that would do, 
you know, would, would do things what I, I, what I wanted, wanted them to do yeah. as an adult would do it. You know, I thought, gosh, that that's kind of a little, well, yeah, that's a little. That's a little. Uh, uh, what's the word now uh, that, that they use a lot in schools? Where, um... huh? I, I want to touch on that though, but I, I don't know if it's not. I don't know if it's. I don't... Grooming, grooming. That's the word. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know if I. That's interesting. Because like, I feel like it's not necessarily. I want to say it's not grooming. I want to say that like Willy Wonka has like a way of. Because I mean, if we let's tie in a little bit of two thousand five. He's yep. disconnected from his family. He's kind of like going, doing things about his own, and there's really no... He's not really an adult. He's not really an adult, but there's also no limits, but he's figuring things out. Where, like, a child kind of does things without restraints. There's no, like, I know not to put my hand on the stove because I'm going to get burned by it. Um, I, so I'm not going to do it. Or maybe I hear, hey, like, that food doesn't taste very good. Don't try it. Where, okay, cool. Like, no, I trust. No, I'm not going to try that. Where a kid like may just do things because they don't have that foresight to know or to have like someone else's experiences to do something. So the way I guess I interpreted the move, like at the end of that movie is just like, Hey, you're going to do things without really the, the, uh, the, the safety blocks is on. What? Sorry. <laughs> The safety bars aren't down, you know? It's, yeah, it's, like you're kind of going to make, you're going to try something, you're going to make a mistake, and maybe it'll work out, maybe it won't, but you don't have these restraints or anything floating above you, kind of like, yeah, don't do that. You don't have the voices in the back telling you not to do something. So I kind of felt like it was more of that, the free flow spirit of a kid, that child kind of mentality to go do something and try new things, because that's what made Willy Wonka successful, is that he was able to do things without restraints so that's kind of how i looked at it but i also see i looked at it as more the imagination side right um oh, as adults we tend we we, had, we tend to turn our imagination off a little bit we live more in the real world where where kids are like you said have a little bit more the brakes are off and they're just going for it um where we play it a little safer we play it a little more close to the chest where kids are just like fuck it let's let's roll let's see what happens and I think that is kind of where I took it from. Is like he he wanted someone that that still had that that zest for the imagination, that zest to do it a different way and and test the limits where an adult is going to play it safer. I think I, that's I, well better put way of the way I was thinking of it because I think too like when he's like oh I got these people from Lupaland and yeah. then. 2005, Mr. TV, 71, Miss TV is like, I'm a geography teacher. I've never heard of that. <laughs> I, I'm a geography teacher. It's like, oh, then you should know all about that. But they're just yeah. like, nope, there's no way that this place exists where obviously yeah. he's been there. And so, yeah, that's kind of my thought. I, I have to say, I think it's kind of calling out the responsibility a parent has when raising a child in that so many of these parents let their child just go crazy, didn't put any, any boundaries, and there were consequences. And so by mm -hmm. him saying, you know, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what to do. It's almost like saying, I'm going to, I'm going to raise you. I'm going to parent you. I'm going to give you some teaching lessons. And, and, and that's, it's kind of calling out parents and saying, oh, this, shit. Is how, this is how you raise a child. What? <laughs> what? So, okay. No, no, you I just, my brain just popped. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I, I literally, I literally, I mean, I mean, I started a, a cultural anthropology class uh, last week. And so one of the things they brought up was the nature versus nurture kind of thing. And, and that's what he's looking for. He's, he's wants, he wants his culture to, to go down because culture is taught. So he wants the culture of the candy industry to be taught to a young person. And you can't do that to someone who's already gone through all of their 
you know, it's, it's hard to change your culture in that aspect. You have to be brought up into it. And so as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, shit. I've already learned something. It's been one week and I'm already learning. What the hell? <laughs> See, I agree with that too, because, you know, I, I was thinking when you were talking about that, if we look at all the other kids, like when they were doing their own thing, they got fucked. Uh, <laughs> yes. like, yeah. So I do agree with you. Like, yeah. So I want you to have that imagination, that imagination is Noah's talking about, but kind of under my guidance so that you don't just go jumping into rivers and eating gum that we <laughs> Yeah, right. I, I agree with that for sure. It's kind of a combination of all that. That's that's perfect. Yeah. And yeah, we and you didn't get any I don't think you really got that in the in the 2025 or yeah, 2005, not 25. No. That'd be 3 no. years from now. Um so yeah, it's yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, there's so much to pull from this movie. It's crazy. A movie 50 years old is still having that kind of a effect on on the thought process and and just how good it really was, especially since this didn't do really great in the theaters. It it wasn't a smash hit. It it made money, so you know it's not a flop. Um, I want to I want to say it took like it was three million to make, made like four and a half overall. Uh, definitely a cult kind of classic. Like I think there there's been a lot of sales in the you know the last probably thirty years of you know VHS and dvd and probably even blu-ray now there's probably some laser discs out there somewhere uh you know people people have have this and watch it you know brandon's a great example of this i mean you saw it probably 25 years after it was out the first time you know and so and you just and and fell in love with it i mean this is that's the kind of things that movies want to do um such such a classic movie i mean it spawned candy a candy company i mean uh nestle went with the willy wonka uh candy trope for a long long time i was, I was surprised when i found out it wasn't there anymore because i know the last time i looked it was uh not that i look at a ton of candy anymore but earlier you guys were talking about um what's a quaker how did it go from quaker to nestle so quaker it? Quaker owned a uh, candy uh, company that was like uh, I can't remember the name, but Nestle bought them, or or vice versa. They bought Nestle, and so Nestle was the bigger, so they kept that name, and so oh. that's what what rolled it. It's it's the the typical business. One business, you know, in like someone makes something good, and a business that's a little bit bigger than them is going to come in and, and and suck them in and make them part of there, so they can own more of that that share. And so it's either Nestle owns Quaker or Quaker owns Nestle. I think it, I think it's Quaker owns Nestle. Okay, gotcha. So um, and yeah, and so Nestle still. I mean, they still are putting out the Gobstoppers, which were which essentially were invented by this movie. They came out with those, which as a candy, you think, why the hell would anybody eat something that you can't just bite down on? You literally have to like suck all the hard part off so you don't break your teeth. But I have I've eaten way more Gobstoppers than I should admit to, uh, growing up. Um, Nerds, nerds were were uh, not in this movie, but came from the Willy Wonka portion of it. And and it's funny, uh, and Brandon, you may know about these. Apparently, nerd ropes are one of the best candy in the world. I I don't think I've ever. I think it's a mixture of a, a licorice and uh, covered in nerds. So I just had. I mentioned I had the nerds gummy clusters. Yeah, that's kind of what I have ex had, except it wasn't in the rope. But it's like this gummy. And then the nerds are just attached to it, but it's not like licorice. It's it's okay. not that. It's kind of like a chewier kind of thing, but sweet. Um, okay. I definitely, if you guys go to Target, you guys should. Get <laughs> yeah. Well, I just it was funny because a lot of people were talking about nerd ropes, and I'm like, I don't think I've ever had a nerd rope. I mean, I, I remember when nerds, uh, when they first came out and they had the two sides, you know, one side pack was one flavor and one was the other. And 
you know, there was a big old deal and like the, the commercials had the different colors fighting each other and it was just <laughs> this big old thing. And then there was like, you know, the big deal and where you got the mix box and there was like a, a factory messed up. And then you got the like the, the boxes that had all the different flavors. It was just great. And now all you get is rainbow nerds, which makes sense because they really all taste about the same. <laughs> Yeah, they they can accept. You know what? Nope, the pink ones taste different than the purple ones for sure. I got okay. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember that being one of the boxes. That was one of the pink and purple. I remember being a box because I, I I do distinctly remember that. And they had opened on different sides. It was crazy. Uh, but yeah, nerds were definitely a Willy Wonka thing, and I know it was a big deal back when I was a kid. Um, so this this movie has had an impact on our on our on our culture essentially uh it was in inducted into um what is it uh top 100 movies or impact something yeah it's or like impact on yeah it's yeah oh, cool. something like that. i can't remember <laughs> yeah that was like it was like seven it was like 2017 i believe it was it was uh inducted into that there a lot of movies are in there now but i it's it's a big deal when you get in there that means you know you've you've done something if you if you get in there so that's that's pretty cool uh, Gene Wilder became a star after this, you know, had, had kind of had a, a strange and tragic life essentially, but you know, he was always looked at as a great guy. And this is one of those ones that he's known for, for sure. Um, real, real fun movie. Uh, I almost wish they wouldn't have made the 2005, but I guess it, it kind of makes you appreciate that the 1971 even more <laughs> in a way. So, um, Anything you guys got to say to the end on this? Is there anything that we, we didn't cover that you wanted to? Yeah, I learned a lot from this movie. It's always funny because even, you know, on the Rap Thought podcast, like when we talk about something, I learned more about it during conversation. So oh, I for sure. Stuff that I was like, man, like thinking about like how Willy Wonka composes himself, how I've tried to embody that. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, how I feel like I relate to Charlie Bucket. And, but, you know, it was just like, it's a lot of stuff. So it was a, it was definitely great having the conversation and fleshing out a bunch of stuff and hearing perspectives. And I, one of the, I do still think one of my favorite things is like about this movie is it's timeless. Uh, like I enjoy it. You guys enjoy it. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's great. Um, it, 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 I feel like it aged very well. So yeah, for sure. You, you're hundred percent right. I, I'm glad that you brought that up. Cause that's one of the reasons uh, we like doing this, this version, the way we do the podcast is it's not really a review. It's just a discussion and it's a discussion and uh, to get other people's uh, aspects on things. That's one of the reasons I go and listen to other podcasts is I want to hear what other people are talking about. So not only can I question it for myself, but then I can bring it to whoever I'm, I'm doing this show with and, and bring it up and just to see what they have to say, because the more you learn about other people's opinions, the more it can help uh, focus in on yours, whether, whether it changes it because you didn't know something and you learned something or, or it's strong you know, it strengthens your, uh, aspect and your thought on it because you learned something new or, or they, someone has a different opinion and, and you go, no, no, I really believe this. And it's that discussion rather than a review. And so that, that's why I love doing these. And that's why I love having uh, new guests on and stuff like that, because it's always fun to hear new people's, uh, um, you know thoughts on on things like this and and this was a perfect movie to do it with uh come up with another one we'll have you back on i know i know you got some other ones that you you know <laughs> you yeah. like guys, so when you guys get alice in wonderland on there that'll actually make me read the book too so <laughs> oh. all right we'll, we'll we'll find we'll we'll put it on the calendar uh we'll we'll figure it out i'll give you some time so you can get the book and read it i actually i should do that too i i should go read the book um but that would be another one too cuz what let's see 
how many how many iterations of Alice in Wonderland are there? And that's the thing that'll make me jump on those two because I think they're what like when they came out with a new one they there's like I think maybe three of them tops. There's no yeah. more than three, but at least two. See, um, my original the original one I remember is is the Disney animated version. Right. Yeah, that's uh, the one I grew up on. Um, yeah. It's one of it's it's one of my favorite. It is my favorite Disney movie actually. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's. So. Well, we'll yeah. we'll figure it out and we'll put it on we'll put it on the books. There's also an adult adaptation from the '70s, I believe, too. That's uh, <laughs> oh, <really>? not bad. <laughs> there's there's a I've seen some other yeah. There's you got to watch uh, you got to watch what you Google these days. You know, just just say. <laughs> hmm. So um, yeah, we were uh, actually one of the guys I was at work with. We were we were having fun one day and we we're like, oh, what w- what would be the the porn version of Willy Wonka? No, and, uh, let's not go know, there. <laughs> <laughs> so we were just coming up with some titles. It, it was it was fun. Uh, it, it, it was a good fifteen minutes of laughing. So, uh, Willie chocolate and chocolate factories. I think of yeah. Our yeah, I'm just like oh, there, yeah. there's all kinds of different things you could go with. It was pretty funny. Uh, I think uh, the one I got stuck with is Willie Wankin. Uh, was one I kept going off of. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Um, good. Uh, so that's that's. I think we've 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 beat this one over the uh, head a lot. Um, <laughs> now I, I seriously want to go eat a chocolate bar. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I know, I know when snozberries, you know, you know <laughs> right. I don't know where they've been. <laughs> I, I got a whole bottle of snozberry. I'm afraid to open it now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's funny. It, the stuff you learn. Um, that was a fun podcast. I, I want to thank you guys yeah. so much. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, join us, uh, for our next podcast. I don't even know. Uh, do you remember what we're doing next, Steve? I don't Is think it? we've even talked uh, I don't know. No, we'll have to talk about that. I can't remember. Okay. Yeah. So uh, join us next week for whatever we do next week. Uh, go back and check out our old episodes. Uh, check out the Rap Thought, uh, Brandon's uh, podcast. Uh, incredible. A uh, lot of fun. Um, I haven't listened to all of them because there's some albums you guys cover that I just haven't listened to. But mm-hmm. a lot of your old school stuff, uh, I, I still have a bone to pick with you about your Beastie Boys take. But uh... <laughs> you gotta get in line, take a number. I got shit on for that one, so I, the, I, you know, I will listen to it again and listen to other stuff. So. Yeah, the problem was is I think you guys picked. Uh, I think you literally picked probably one of the worst albums to go in with on them. Uh, they, they yeah, there's just. But it is what it is, and, and like I said, imprinting. You know, we talked about imprinting. Beastie Boys was definitely imprinted on me because I I, I was there when they first came out. That's what mm-hmm. I was into. So it was my scene. I was all about it, and I kept going with them. I literally own all of their music, so uh, I listen to it all the time. Uh, yeah, we were playing Catan uh, with a couple friends the other night, <laughs> and we had Paul's Boutique on the background because my friend remembered what I said. And it was that, it was good background music. Um, nice, that's so funny. Listen to it again. I think my my earbuds have changed. Uh, I think it, go jump right to their last one. It's uh, Hot Sauce Committee Part Two. Uh, mm-hmm. One of their better better albums for sure. Uh, I think yeah. you, I think you'd actually enjoy it. It's 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 really good. They, it was yeah. one of those ones where they finally grew up and kind of got into their own groove. So, but yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed a lot of that. So if yeah, if you enjoy hearing people talk about uh, hip hop and different albums, check out Rap Thought. Um, and I think that's about it. Thank you, sir. Right? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I had a good time, and I'll definitely be back. So awesome, sweet. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's it. So hail Caesars. Hail Caesars. L. Caesars didn't know we were on there. What does that mean?